we are back yet another week. Week number three of reviewing and going deep dive into Harry Potter on the Harry Potter Roundtable. Wow, that was hard to say. Oh my god. Don't take a four-hour nap. Noted. <laughs> uh, this week we are going to be introduced to two new people. First being Sirius Black and the other one being the new professor, Remus Lupin. Let's jump in on the ride and see what the others thought. back we are ready to go i'm ready for another nap actually <laughs> i am not alone i am joined by mr marvel 613 aka connor and of course everybody's favorite bear canadian basements how are you guys doing doing pretty good <laughs> i'm doing pretty good pretty good i mean it was a, it was a fun watch so I'm in good spirits. Yeah, I just I literally just finished this like two seconds before. <laughs> yeah, you, you pulled the basement and waited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I can't I can't I can't quote the the last like I don't know, seventeen minutes of dialogue, so it's just like <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> I seldom swear, but it's no good. You just go dig deep on a prostitute. Yeah, that that could that could work. Um, so without going too into detail, and other than you, you enjoyed this movie, is there anything else you want to add before we jump into the story? Try not to spoil too much of it. Um, but I said before we got on here, this is. I mean, obviously, so far, but this might be my favorite out of all of them, from what I remember, from like from all the movies, because I've seen them all too. And, and the thing that I like about this one specifically, and again, we'll get more into the details, is that obviously the end is different than the other two, because I feel like the first two was always like, oh, the big bad at the end, the big bad at the end, and then the end is not quite the big bad, which is both a plus and a minus, which we'll get into. Um, I feel like this is the first one where like Harry comes out with like a somewhat of a W, I feel like the last two movies felt kind of like, wow, we just survived by the by the fucking skin of our ass, and things are here now. But mm -hmm. um, but I feel like this one, they, it felt like like there was some the, the last line which we'll get to was like, oh, I feel like nothing that made a difference, and then like the speech that we'll, we'll get into towards the end, where he's like, no, you did make a difference. Genuinely felt like it had like an upbeat ending to it, as opposed to like. Well, Harry's alive, and everything's back to normal. Three students are dead, and everything's back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> but also, on the same side of that, um, as I said before, uh, which we'll, we'll get to, there's one aspect of this movie that I'm not particularly a fan of. That being said, I also... Um, oh, there's another point I was going to make to this. Damn it, there's another point I was going to make to this. 
and it's gone. Completely gone. No, there's, <laughs> one, there's one part of this movie that I just, I'm not a huge fan of, but other than that, uh, this is probably one of, if not my favorite of them all. Well, you know what? I kind of, um, I agree with you. Even, like, in the past, the the book was my favorite. Um, but I, I kind of read them as they came out, except I think the first three or four were out. Um, and this, like, after seeing the like first movie and reading the first two books, I was kind of like, eh, it's not, it hasn't fully gripped me. This The third book and the third movie is where the franchise kind of grips me. And it's probably because it just gets a bit more, like realistic in tone, it kind of divult like it diverts from what was Disney, yeah, to finding its own footing and yes. becoming something uh, a bit more than like a carbon copy. Because though I love like the set design and stuff in the first two movies, it very much doesn't feel it doesn't feel lived in. It became this... a bit more serious. <laughs> I hate you. You knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> The, the world of Harry Potter in the first two movies doesn't feel lived in. It feels like a stage production. Okay. It was like Disney. It, for, for, yeah, for me, it feels like we're going to Disneyland. This was going to look like this one. There's added detail a lot to the world where it feels a bit more grimy and a bit more... It just real? feels lived... Yeah, exactly. It feels real. For, that's the best term for it. Uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, the, uh, what the, now, what the fuck was I going to say? I remember, yeah, now that, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, this is the beginning trend for me where I'm starting to think Hogwarts is a very shitty school. <laughs> we'll get into it, but like, I just kept thinking over like certain points. I'm like, man, you guys just suck. <laughs> you know what it is? It's like the, the leadership. All the all the teachers are fucking terrible. Oh, uh, like nobody gives a flying shit of what's going on. <laughs> oh my god, it, it, it's true. That's, I'm just like, wow, this this school. Just, Really crappy. <laughs> but it's so... Yeah, okay. I don't know. It's kind of like... Everybody has the ability to do whatever the fuck they want, but there's something like special in that. Which is and weird. It's called governing police. And I love it for that reason. You do? We'll get, we'll get that. <laughs> I want to go live there. A lot of people really? did after the movie started coming out. What? A lot of people wanted to go live there. <laughs> A quick shout out to the chat. We got Alpha, Federico, Cody, and Paul Arzola joining us tonight. How you put folks doing out there? Um, again, there's not much in the pre-production of this movie. It was pretty much guaranteed all seven of them are going to be made. Uh, so we'll just Forever. yeah, <laughs> we'll just jump right into the story here. Uh, opening up at the Dursleys' home where Harry Potter lives and is staying as usual during the summer holidays, Uncle Vernon's and sister Uncle Vernon's sister Marge comes to visit and treats Harry with a general contempt. She viciously insults him and his parents, angering Harry, who unwittingly uses his innate magical powers to cause her to inflate and float off out of the Dursleys' house and into the twilight. Harry flees the Dursleys' home, furious at. Furious, at first he walks with determination, but soon grinds to a stop as he realizes he hasn't anywhere to go. I'm going to pause it right there. Love this. Yes. Uh, One little side note. Pam Ferris, who plays Sister Marge, is also Mrs. Trenchbull. Huh. Who the fuck is that? From the movie Matilda with Danny DeVito. 
That makes wow! I didn't even fucking recognize Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Some of the Easter eggs in the world. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few Easter eggs in this, and it, it when it comes to those points, I will point them out. Um, but yeah, the sister here. This is something interesting that JP even brought up, which yeah. I thought about this for years as well. At this point, Marge is sitting at the table, finishing up their dinner, and she's been ordering Harry around like he's a common servant. But then she sits there and talks about Harry's dad, calls him a drunk. Harry corrects her and says he was not a drunk. And then from there, she then goes on to Harry's mother, who is Petunia's sister, and Petunia's just going to sit there and take it. Yes. So she didn't, okay. she didn't like her sister. Well, here's the part I was going to ask about that. So she's the sister of the uncle. Yes. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, she yeah. is Vernon's yeah, okay. sister. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to debut for a second. Um, I just love this whole scene because, um. She's cunt. Yes. Pure and simple. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably my favorite um, Dursley opening of all the the movies. Yes. Uh, and also, like, there's a couple things you notice right away with this movie. It has, like, a darker uh, palette in terms mm-hmm. of, like, color. Uh, everything is darker, and it adds to things looking a bit more real. Um, and it's and raining. It, it, sorry? And it's raining. Well, it Whereas the other times here, it's been one. sunny. <laughs> And it's like fucking London, for fuck's sakes. Yes, but the other two yeah, or, movies opened and it was sunny. This time it yeah, was raining. But like England is like notoriously oh, yeah. rainy place, but it should be raining, is what I'm saying. But anyways, uh, the outside of the <laughs> outside of the noticeable change in color and tone, uh, best dirty scene. I did. Well, fucking, they do a great job of making you hate this woman immediately. Oh fuck yeah! Because yeah. She, she's obviously a, a like ignorant and asshole, talks down to, to Harry, but kind of is like I, I don't know why anyone would put up with her. She just seems like a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then she's like, she's like, yes, give me more, give me more of the fucking brandy. And then she turns around and says, like, yeah, he was a drunk. Where she's out there with like a fucking mug half full of <laughs> yeah. brandy. Also, and worst dog, worst dog owner, fucking feeding brandy to the dog. Yeah, she commits a cardinal sin that I don't care who you are. I it's a, it's the same thing as like, oh, I'm gonna have this ice cream cone while my dog licks part of it, and then I'm gonna put it back in my mouth. Yeah, that's fucking gross, man. I don't care who you are. Don't share your plate with your dog. No. If you finish eating and you want to give the dog food, whatever. But if you're both eating the same thing at the same time, you're probably I'm going to vomit in your lap. If that, if I ever see that, I will vomit in your lap. Okay. <laughs> did you also notice that she had a very visible mustache? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I was like, that was a good choice. Why not? <laughs> Fuck this woman. I, I also, I know I might be jumping a little bit ahead here, but the scene right after where she's floating away and then... No, uh, it was mentioned. What's that? It was mentioned in this. Okay. Um, I I put a note here, just grab the fucking wand. He literally, like, Harry's, like, threatening to use the yeah. wand, which, which I love, which is great. You know, it's like, the, I, I wish there was maybe one more movie to build this, or one more story to build up, like, him finally be like, fuck this shit, I'm out, which is which is a great thing. But, like, literally, he's holding it point blank, just grab the fucking thing. But you see, he's already proven he doesn't need it to do something. 
either. Which I'm so confused about because it seems like when he's in school, he needs it for everything. Happens. Yeah, when he's out of school, it's like all of a sudden I'm just magic, inertly magical. Uh, and also, like the movie starts with him doing magic at a school. Yes, that's the other thing JP brought <laughs> up. He's sitting in his room doing Luminos and Luminos Maxima. <laughs> And it's such a big plot point later on to not talk. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. I forgot about the illuminating thing where, like, there's a light that's, like, the fucking, like, <laughs> can light up the entire goddamn cul-de-sac. And Dursley just, Dursley just comes in and like, I guess it was nothing, and then shuts the door. <laughs> also, what did he, like, did he, he looked like he was asleep. Did he fucking see light, or did he, like, hear it? Like, He's, the he, I think he, he heard Harry saying Luminos Maxima, because at the end of doing that, before Dursley burst in, before Vernon burst in, he got louder and said, Luminos Maxima. And the cops called him and was like, what's this? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. That was a really um, fun scene, in all what, honesty. What, what part did we leave, wait, sorry, what part did you leave off of the narration? Uh, he had just left the Dursley's house with his trunk. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I, I was glad to finally see that, like, the fuck this shit about him. He was like, mm-hmm. any place is better than here. It's like, yeah, you clearly have, like, a great support system, no matter, like, you're fucking Harry Potter. You Go like, to the fucking Weasleys. The Fuck the Dursleys. Let the Weasleys adopt you. And yeah. the, uh, the scene where, like, uh, Marge, and then, like, he, he finally drops her, and he gets up, and he does the fucking Darth Vader. No! I also cracked up when Harry leaves. And, and you hear her scream in the distance. You see her floating over, like, London Tower. You can hear I'm like, this is great. Oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Alright. Continuing on here. He sits down on the edge of the road with his trunk. His surroundings stir as the wind picks up and a street lamp flickers above him. A jet black dog emerges from the bushes opposite, growling at him, and he raises his wand. At that instant, however, the eccentric night bus, my favorite wizarding vehicle of all time right here, for lost witches and or wizards, makes a sharp appearance and escorts Harry on a wacky journey to the wizard's pub, the Leaky Cauldron. While there, Harry learns that Sirius Black, played by Gary Oldman, an alleged supporter of Voldemort, the Dark Wizard, has escaped from Azkaban prison. Harry must meet the minister, uh, minister of magic, Cornelius Fudge, and he fears expulsion from Hogwarts for using, for his using of underage magic out of school. Uh, however, the, mar- the matter is surprisingly dropped as, quote, the ministry doesn't send students to Azkaban for blowing up their aunts, end quote. I will leave it right there as we talk about this for a second. Basically, um, you go first this time? Sure. Or Heather? Sure. sure. <laughs> um, so the first thing you notice, like, and it kind of, like, it, this is something. It continues to prove that the this movie has a really good, or the director, I guess, or actually the entire cast has a really good oh, God, yeah. uh, handle on atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They atm- they pull off atmosphere in that. this in this really well. So like you get that like you know everything has like it's sheen with like the rain mm-hmm. and it's dark and it it feels like how I would imagine a cold night in England would look. So it, uh, they do that really well. The night bus, uh, like honestly, this, this was an amazing thing too. Fucking love the night bus. I'll go more to that when you're done. And it goes from just the design of the night bus being a triple decker uh, bus. It's very inherently English, but it's also weirder than the normal English that they have. Yeah, uh, the 
everybody that is uh, the, the whole casting of the people on the night bus. So it goes from the driver to the sunken head, uh, or shrunken head to the um, the bellboy, whatever the fuck he is. That like it's just the 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 way that they like just find nothing wrong with what's happening. But yeah. Like, what the fuck? Dude, which <laughs> are the like, ground wow, for? Wow, of my life. <laughs> Yeah, I, lo- I love that. What you on the ground for? I fell. What you fall <laughs> for? <laughs> Some good dialogue choices with that. The uh, the night bus, the whole scene with the night bus is awesome mm-hmm. because it shows like how they work within the real world and uh, fucking like everything in the Harry Potter world, it's dangerous as fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even drive on the right side of the road. He's driving against traffic 99% of the time. That's what you worry is not like fucking squeezing in between two fucking. <laughs> but it's also, you'd feel like. Stopping feel like on a dime to not of, hit the old lady. I feel like there's some sort of. Yeah. Like, I don't know how these guys are fucking asleep I on the shower know. curtains going back and forth. <laughs> <Well, the laughs> keeps them quiet. Yeah, it's wild. It seems like there's some sort of like spell to not have the motion sickness take take effect to you, but like Harry Potter doesn't get it, so whatever. But um, going to the actual Leaky Cauldron, this doesn't look the same. No, as no, what I remember, doesn't. but it looks better. <laughs> I everything is visually better in this movie, so that's one thing. The fucking the Igor character, Thomas. <laughs> oh my god, there's a moment. <laughs> There's a moment when he's like, <laughs> 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 he just killed me. It's right when the minister oh. said that. We, we don't th- we don't send students to Azkaban for blowing up their ants, and that's when he started laughing. <laughs> I, I love he just bows for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Oh my god. Um, but uh, okay, the one thing I'll say too, and this goes on throughout this movie. There's a lot of like work being put into the background of every scene. Mm-hmm. That also mm-hmm. establishes that lived-in world, where it's not just empty space, or it's not just like one-on-one close-ups with like blurred background. Yep, they have things happening in the background that add to the magic of each scene. Yeah, they do. They really, really do. And just before you go, Connor, real quick, I want to add in yeah. the differentiate the difference between the book and the movie. In the book, at this point. Even the Muggle News knows Sirius, Sirius Black has escaped. And it's on the Muggle News that a, ser- a serial killer and dangerous man has escaped from prison and is roaming the streets, so be on the lookout for him. And it's a picture of Sirius Black. They didn't add that aspect in for the movie. They made Harry find out through Stan Shuntpipe's newspaper for this. So that was one thing that was just like, I... I think it would have added more of the creep factor if just before the ant showed up, like literally a two second scene of seeing that news report on the TV and seeing the Dursleys standing around the Dudley, TV to see it. They have they have Dudley watching the TV, so it could have easily been put in. Yeah. In that yeah. scene, right? Yeah, it could have been uh, easily and, breaking news interrupting his program that he was watching at that moment. I also want to say the casting of Sirius Black is fucking amazing. Oh, God, yes. Gary Oldman does so well in everything he's put in. Yeah. That is another um, massive W as far as why this is one of my favorites. Uh, fucking fantastic. The, bu- the I, I will not show up about the fucking bus. There is so... <laughs> and now, here, here's the thing. Like, And I'm going to say this probably repeatedly throughout all these streams. 
what what one of the things that really fascinates me is the creativity of the magic. Mm-hmm. Magic is is it, before this and to an extent was generally like okay, you can do these things, you can do that stuff, but but like shit like the bus shows the creative forefront of like hey, we're going to do this thing like oh, it's not just oh, it's fucking magic, but there is like other aspects of it that make it creatively either visually or like functionally uh, that's a fucking word um, <laughs> different and unique. So, like, who the fuck in their right mind would have thought of, like, hey, we're going to have a magical three-decker bus with a chandelier in here that goes fucking faster than the Flash. No muggles can fucking see it. And I did love the fact that it's, like, muggles will see it. It's, like, they don't fucking pay attention. And it's, like, yeah, that's a great – that's fucking Exactly. Um, and, 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 like, Basement said, that the, the personality of it, too, with, like, the bellboy who I made a note – just use magic to get the case into the bus, but okay. Uh, instead of like yeah, trying to like, struggling, struggling with like it, a yeah. gag. It was, <laughs> I, it was, I get it. Um, but I yeah. The shrunken head was hilarious, and then the fucking like the old man from like the Pixar movies being the one that fucking steered. It just it's just got so much character. to something that's like so simple. I don't think we see the bus again. In the series, I feel like we see it maybe no. one more time. No, we don't see the bus at I all. I don't think we see it. Which is a, I think which is a damn shame. referred to at some point in time, but I don't think we see it. We, uh, I wanted to say something before I forget, and it's in tune with what you're saying when you talked about the night bus. Um, the first couple movies really felt like that. Oh, I got like how to do magic kit from the store. Right. A lot of the magic felt that way. Where now it's like the like you said, the personality of it is. It's it's beyond just the simple rabbit out of a hat type shit that they kind oh, of yeah. uh, uh, went with in the first couple movies. Mm-hmm. And they do that with and they do that more with the classes, certain classes, which we'll get to. I mean, they started they started to get there with some of the botany stuff in the second one with like the screaming, fucking, the, the mandrake oh, plants. Want to yeah. fucking snap those things? <laughs> next. Um, but, uh, uh, I, <laughs> I agree about I, I agree about the. Uh, uh, what's the name of the place there? That was the cauldron. Leaky cauldron. Leaky. Leaky cauldron. Leaky I, I, I agree. It does look visually better. I just loved how the minister, like the minister of magic. By the way, just the whole concept of like adults really kind of suck in this world. And I just want to say this because it's one of those things where like it's a constant theme of like, oh, your serious blacks escape. Yeah, why? Uh, don't worry about it. Like, what the? What is fucking like? What is with like? I, I gotta give. And this is the other note I have here. Uh, Papa Weasley, I give him the fucking credit to have the balls to pull Harry aside and be like, hey, um, you probably don't know and understand what the fuck's going on, so let me be the one to be nice enough to kind of like fill you in sort the, serious, the seriousness of uh, the there, situation. There, there seems to be, and this this is something that is a theme throughout the Harry Potter story, uh, like a certain naivety to the adults mm-hmm. or the willingness to turn a oh, blind eye to everything period. where they feel like stunted the the growth almost feels slightly stunted, and if you're looking at it in um, like if you were to compare it to how like regular people would be, right? Everything they I think growing up in the magical world has kind of made them in some ways naive is the best word I can use. <laughs> yeah. But it just seems like they're all like a bit more whimsical. And don't think take things as seriously as they should be, and it might be just because they have spells that can undo pretty much everything. Right, yeah, but it's just it, it it's it's so polarizing because as we'll get to, they either don't give enough of a shit or they give too much. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's it is, and you know what? That, 
that's sometimes a problem with direction. I think the books do a lot better job of making uh, yeah. certain, like the, the the movie has to be like, well, these are the traits of the character. We have to enforce those traits. And when you add those traits together, it becomes like it's not a full fledged person. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get it. I just, uh, ugh, just I just that the, the the minister of magic really kind of like. I mean, I get I I get him because he's obviously doesn't have like a personable relationship to Harry. But like everyone's like. Ah uh, well, never you mind. It's like, dude, like fuck off. Like he has the co- like, he has the cognizant ability to at least understand what the fuck's going on at this point in time. Like it's been three years where he's kind of adopted good enough out of the magic world to understand what the fuck's going on. But, ah, uh, Jesus, I don't know. Also, like I, I'm, I'm thinking that there's something missing here because in the books, I almost remember there being like. Uh, more like the seedy element to him uh, meeting the Minister of Magic in the Leaky Cauldron in like a back room. Mm-hmm. There was some other like there uh, more of a reason to just like uh, the movies didn't really like bring it forward as much. It's like what the fuck is this even happening? <laughs> yeah, was there exactly. Something more to it. I feel like there was something more to it in the book, Dag. But I'm pretty sure there was. No, in the book, how the book starts. It doesn't start with Harry. It starts with. Uh, Fudge meeting with the current Prime Minister of Great Britain to talk about Sirius Black. So, oh yeah, that's where that that that's where the third book starts. Um, but <sighs> I think there's like a like a underlying, and all the people, the adults are in on keeping Harry safe, but they do it in like it's not like. It's, it's not, not like the most conducive no, way. No, because, like, well, Fudge bought all his books, so he doesn't have to go get them. So he's just going to go from the leaky cauldron to school. And then yeah. it, while he's at school, it's like, I can't sign those farms. I'm not your guardian. You have to stay here. There seems to be that happening in the background that they never really they never really say to the audience. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, the, the, that's the question that JP also brought forward. I mean, when it comes down to – when it came to Arthur Weasley – and when it came to Dumbledore, it's like, didn't they know that Sirius didn't actually do it? Well, no. They had suspicions that he didn't do it, but they have to go off of the evidence that the Ministry put forward during that investigation. As we will get into the into it a little bit later in the story. Uh, but there's also a couple other little things with these scenes. Um, remember how you guys kept asking me about examples of magic without wands? The guy stirring the teacup? Yeah. And putting the chairs up on the tables when they closed. Yep. Just a wave of the hand. Uh, But also that guy sitting at that table, stirring this teacup with just twirling his finger around the spoon. Two things with him. Did you notice what book he was reading? No. Theory of Relativity. Theory of Relativity. Huh. Reading a muggle book about science. But also, he is also the lead singer of a very popular British band. God, he looked like one of the Gallagher <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Okay, so this is the, the way I always thought about things in, in the Harry Potter universe is you could do magic without a wand. But unless you were like super high level, the magic you did without a wand was like unconcentrated. Like, the wand is a concentration point, right. so, like, when you do magic without a wand, the outcome might be 
uh, if, unless it's very simple, you don't know what the outcome will be. And that's kind of what happens in this movie, like with him blowing up his hand. Kind of, yes. Oh. I don't think he like meant to do that. It was just what kind of oh, came oh, out. A wild outburst of like rage magic, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Because like, the, the part that always got me was like, and we'll see a lot more in the other stories, is Expelliarmus being like a constant thing to like de-arm, a, like, to, to like unarm a witch. But in this movie, it is fucking wildly different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Why, like... <laughs> well, it's like, okay, well then. Uh, uh, when we get to that scene, I got fucking. It, oh, there's so much to say. So much to say. When we get there. When we yeah. get there. All right, moving on here. While at the Leaky Cauldron, Harry also reconvenes with his two best friends, Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger, and the rest of the Weasley, fa- Weasley family. Mr. Arthur Weasley pulls Harry to one side to warn him about Sirius Black. He suggests that Harry needs to be cautious of Sirius Black to, due to his allegations, his due to his allegiance with Voldemort. He believes that Harry is the only thing which stands in the way of Voldemort returning to power, and that is on this premise that Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban to find Azkaban to find and kill Harry Potter. Uh, Harry, Harry, Ron, and Hermione board the train to Hogwarts, discovering their compartment in their compartment the sleeping Professor Remus Lupin, who is the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Harry airs his concerns about Black's escape and his possible objective to Ron and Hermione. Tension builds during their discussion, however, as the train is stopped on a bridge and the lights pop on pop out in each cabin. Ron peers out of the window, concerned. There is something out there. The train is violently jolted. We'll get to that in a minute. And a great cold descends around them, ice creeping over the windows. In the corridor outside, a scary dark creature slowly appears, floating towards them. It opens the door to their cabin and begins to engage engage frighteningly with Harry, sucking at his whole body. The sleeping teacher suddenly awakes, stands up, and repels the creature with a very bright white light emanating from his wand. Harry faints. On on his coming around, Lupin gives him chocolate to eat and explains that the creature is a Dementor, which drains happiness from anything it approaches. The Dementors ordinarily guard the, the wizard prison, the prisoner of Az- the prison of Azkaban, but are out searching for the escapee Black and entered the train looking for him. Harry heard a woman screaming during the ordeal, but no one else heard it. We'll pause right there. Oh, boy. <laughs> One thing so, that neither of you brought up either was the second new teacher that we're getting this year and the book that they have to use for this class, which uh-huh. was... I were at the book part, but I have... Oh, oh my God, that on, hands down, hands down, <laughs> best scene of a fucking school book ever in any fucking movie to exist. <laughs> The book wow. is so ridiculous, man. <laughs> he steps on it. <laughs> well, first of all, it's eating its own fucking Exactly. <laughs> I noticed that, too. It's like, what is it chewing on? <laughs> oh, God. Is it, sh- then, is it heavily shedding? Technically, yes. And on it, the tongue comes out. <laughs> I, I, need to, yeah, I, need to, I need to go off on a bit of a tangent, and I might be skipping a little bit ahead here. Uh-huh. And I know it's it's revealed later on from from Dumbledore that it, he talks about like, hey, because Sirius Black's escape, we've hired the Dementors to guard the school. No, they Here's... didn't hire them. We'll get into that when we get to that part more deeper. But he didn't it's, hire it's, them. 
It's okay. different. Either way, okay. fucking so bad to do that. It is so fucking <laughs> bad because they, they, they touted the Dementors as these very powerful, basically guardians. Mm -hmm. Fine, cool, whatever. But but one, you're you're doing it with with a bunch. Uh, one, you're doing it with a bunch of fucking idiotic kids. Let's be real here. We all see Neville. Number two, he escaped them. So yeah. why would you? Why would you? Hey, you know those guards that like sex didn't successfully guard the guy that escaped. Let's put those exact same guards in a different location where we think he's gonna go. How did? How do you? How do you think he's gonna what? fuck? Oh. Why would you hire mindless fucking monsters to, to track somebody? And especially when they're just like seemingly ready to suck anybody off. I would be like, hey, let's get the Secret Service who protected JFK for the next guy. Didn't they have all these fucking horrors? Where are they? Right? <laughs> but there, there is more. There, there is more to Black's escape and how he managed to do it. That is explained later on in the book. And when we get to that point, I will explain it further from what I remember from the book. But right, I, again, I understand that like he might have done something like specific or sneaky or tactic. But my point is that generally speaking, right, uh -huh. if they don't know the specifics on how he escaped. Even to an extent, maybe if they did. My point is that it looks horrible. It's like, oh, yeah. oh man, he escaped Azkaban. So let's put those guards that he bypassed everywhere. You mean those things that he's able to bypass? Yeah. Okay, sure. That sounds like a great fucking idea. Like, you fucking oh, idiots. One and then, other of thing, course, Lupin's a dick. <laughs> one more thing to add on to this. In that scene where Harry first sees Hermione and Ron bickering back and forth because Hermione has finally found her familiar in Crookshakes, the black, the orange cat. Scabbers yeah. has a bald spot. If you go back and look, when Ron's holding Scabbers at that exact moment, you can see the very top of Scabbers' head is entirely yeah. bald. I, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of obviously foreshadowing stuff that like uh, having us seen and or read these things beforehand that you can a lot you can a lot more easily pick up on now, now which, which is just, you know, the, 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 the advantage of us seeing it again. But, like, Scabbers clearly looks different for the obvious, for the twist coming up at the end. <laughs> One of the things I noted here was the animatronic rat that they give Ron is something to behold. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they switch between, like, a real rat and animatronic rat. <laughs> when they have the real rat, it, like, obviously, yes, it looks like a real rat. <laughs> when it's animatronic, it like really doubles in size. As they do. No, I just think Dementors are fucking extremely dangerous, and it's an extremely stupid move, personally speaking. I agree with that. I I did want to say because we're beyond this scene anyway, but this is something that I think is a real credit to the way that they made this movie. The scene where Ron is talk, or not Ron, Ron's dad is talking to Harry about mm -hmm. oh. Severus escaped, or not Severus, but fucking Sirius has escaped. God, they all have the same fucking names. <laughs> they are. They are so similar. <laughs> and uh, he could have just pulled him aside to a corner and talked to him. Instead, this movie has him like slowly walk through the set, and people come up and sit down next to him, and he pulls him a bit away. The entire part, the entire that entire scene, he moves like three or four times. Much a bunch of different things are happening in the background that yep. make it look more magical and real. And you have the poster up, no matter where they go, of him always being there. Yep. They they, they that's one of the best uh, executed scenes in this movie for oh, them. Oh God, yes. 
for how it's shot, at least. There's actually two scenes that I noted that were like that. That was one of them because if you notice, what he's trying to do is it's a it's a clever way, like you said, of like the getting the scope of the cinematography. But what he's doing is he's moving away from people. If you notice that, like yeah. every time he's talking, somebody's like sitting close or like walking by. So he's trying to have a private conversation, so he keeps relocating. But it's a, it's a it's a clever uh, clever way of doing it. There's another th- there's another scene later on which we'll talk about that I think does. A very good like transition like that, which we'll, which we'll get but, to. But it's neat kudos. because though he's moving away, and every time he moves away, Sirius Black is just still right in there, the frame, yeah. so the they can never really get away from him, which is uh, which is Point. a theme for the movie, right? Which is really well done. Uh, I'm with you on the fucking Dementor shit. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, uh, and especially because they kind of uh, like later on we kind of find out why Dementors went after Harry Potter, at least to an extent why they went after yes. Harry Potter. It still is kind of weird. But, like, they just fucking stop the train and get in there. Why? Th- it looks like fucking death. Why is this thing around kids at all, ever? Exactly. Why did the train, one, why did the train stop? Two, why is it that the train gets almost shoved off of its tracks when it's in the middle of a fucking bridge? And the conductor not do anything about that. And yeah, then, and then you got these things roaming the halls, scaring the shit out of these kids. You know they're going to write home to their families. Like, Dementors were on the train today, Mom. What the hell? Mom almost died. <laughs> In love. In chocolates. I need more chocolate frogs. I need to collect my wizard it, cards. It, it just, it's between a combination of, like, these, cle- the, like, again, even, <clears throat> I know we'll get into it. These things clearly fail. So let's say these fail the dangerous things and put them around kids. Winning, winning thing. Let's do this. <laughs> the, the I, other I stand, thing too, though, stand right? by my icon on Discord right now. This is another like though we we can harp on, but the fucking Dementors. That's more of like a storytelling problem, yeah. and I think it still existed in the books too, where it's not. But really visually, they're fucking terrifying. Visually, and for like the age group that's going to be watching this, or it's supposedly for, I'm like, man, you want to do horror for kids? There it is. Yeah. Follow that. Right <laughs> there, yeah. That'll scare kids. I mean, Wendy was watching it, and she jumped when she saw the Dementor for the first time, so. They are frightening looking. Oh, also, God, yeah. I don't know what's actually said. When the Dementor starts sucking off Eric, right? Mm-hmm. And he, <laughs> while he's blacking out from it, yeah. all I hear is, therapy. <laughs> no, it's it's his mom screaming, Harry. Oh God! Close. I knew it was his mom, but I I heard Listen, therapy. <laughs> so just the, just the phrase, when when the Dementors were sucking Harry off, I just heard the distance therapy. <laughs> is a great. Um, yeah, I mean, it's more than that. <laughs> the fucking Dementors are sucking off Harry, and boy, the professor gets up, whips out his wand, and shoots a oh, bunch of white juice. <laughs> He's not fucking sleeping. He's just like waiting. Like you, know, you guys, it's just like. Now, like you're gonna wait till it, you're gonna wait till Harry. I, I, I love the I love the answer to fucking gigantic creatures that suck you off is to shoot like, white liquid at them. Oh, I was gonna say chocolate. <laughs> okay. No, chocolate that comes sense. after. Sense. Chocolate that comes sense, after. <laughs> oh my lord! Uh, All right. Ah, uh, it's ectoplasm. Be <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Continuing on here. As Harry begins his third year at Hogwarts, we learn of some significant changes. Alongside the official announcement of the formerly encountered new defense against the dark arts teacher, Professor Lupin, Remus uh, Rubius Hagrid, the groundsman, becomes additionally a professor of care of magical creatures, 
I love how the retiring teacher's phrase of wanting to retire was he wanted to celebrate the rest of his life with his remaining limbs. <laughs> also, yeah, her, also, Hermione seems to be taking nearly twice as many classes as everyone else, including some which are taught simultaneously. Uh, that That's going to be a fun little thing when we get there. During a divination class, Professor Trelawney foresees Harry's death in the leaves of his teacup, which form the shape of a grim or large dog. In, a t- in tea leaf reading, his this symbolizes death. In Hagrid's first class, Draco Malfoy deliberately provokes Buckbeak, a hippogriff, into attacking and injuring him. Draco's father, Lucius Malfoy, a powerful Ministry of Magic member of staff, files an official complaint. We'll pause it right there. So I think I, I, I just want to like kind of quickly uh, mention uh, the obvious change in casting. Uh, this is the first time we see uh, Michael The new Hammond Dumbledore, play, yes. Yep, as the new Dumbledore. And it's funny, Heather, when you said that like he doesn't quite capture the same uh, presence of uh, previous actor who I I I I, I absolutely like here it really drives this is where you feel it the most in the third movie just because of the change i do grow to really like him in the character it's just like man when you compare him to there's like a there's a mysticism to richard harris's performance this guy goes michael gammon doesn't get it at the beginning and it, it really he really seems like he's somebody that doesn't he doesn't understand the source material gammon's a bit more from from in my opinion, Gambit's a bit more um, flamboyant, for lack of a better word. Like he's more like he has more personality behind him. Where Richard Harris had this like quiet, calm demeanor, almost like a stone statue. Where like that, at least that's the way. I, and I'm not saying that like he was like fucking like he, he couldn't act. He was a he was a good actor, but there was like this like calm, quiet somberness to him that I appreciated from the role. It's just and, it's the way that he delivered his lines. Yeah. Just screamed Dumbledore from the books to me. Yes. Now yes. physically yes. and and like eventually, I, I think Gambit does a very good job. Eventually, he has a couple missteps, mm-hmm. but uh, he he does do a really good job, especially later, like we'll, later we'll, on in like the fifth or sixth. Movie, I was about to say I'm jumping ahead a little bit too much, but I think that in the particularly the fifth, maybe the sixth, the sixth ones are probably some of his finest stuff. The fourth one I just laugh at because of which we'll get to. Yeah. And just start screaming. <laughs> but I, yeah. I do feel like it, though the change was like I mean it happened because the guy passed away. Um, I think it it almost was like a necessary change because of how much more use they get out of Dumbledore's character. Yeah, you need someone a bit more physical, especially later on, mm-hmm. where I don't think even if he was still alive, he was very pretty fucking decrepit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I fucking. Richard Harris, as wonderful of an actor as he was, he was a bit too up there in age to be able to handle the role of Dumbledore for the later movies either way. I mean, if, uh, if right. you take him, like, 15 years before his death, he would be perfect. He's the perfect yes. Dumbledore in my mind. It's just he couldn't really, obviously, with his age. Um, what, what the fuck part were we at? No, we, we are went, at we them. a lot, actually. I'm sorry? We went through a lot, right? Like we uh, we got the we got the introduction of the new teachers and uh, divination class and Hagrid's first class as the um, professor of mag- care of magical creatures. So I will say, like this is the first time we kind of see. Well, we don't see them, but the carriages move themselves up the 
walkway, mm-hmm. uh, hinting at the Thestrals. So they did include that. Yes. Um, at this point, the um, did, did you guys? Okay, so when they get there, there's a couple things. There's a choir singing. When did they fucking practice this shit? The school year just started. Honestly, they were probably told to practice it over the summer. I thought they were very flat. They kind of croaked. <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, the, the the little magic conductor it looked like a penis. What the hell do? He had the fucking mushroom tip hair. Yeah. It well, was killing me. That's all I could look at. Um, we, we did go over a little bit of the tea leaf reading, right? Yes. That was divination yeah. class. I just don't... Why? Well, it's part of magic. <laughs> no, no, no I, I get it. But, like, story-wise, just like was it just, like, a little bit, like... I'm fine with, like, little bits of the class. Oh, that was the other note, too. Just me. These classes are really fucking short. They are. Well, you're not going to sit through an hour. I get it. It's a movie, and I get that. But, like, at <laughs> yeah. the same time, it's just like, all right, we did three things, and we're done. This is a, this is a fun... I mean, it's kind of like an Easter egg, I guess. Uh, when they show the Tre- Trelawney's class, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, I like the uh, the casting, perfect casting for her. Oh, yeah, Emma Thompson. The, ca- is the, the class beautiful. is such a fucking one of those ones you take to get a cheap credit. Yes. Um, <laughs> but there is like it, it does. They do end up showing merit to her character. She's she's someone that like unconsciously predicts shit, yes. but then she's yes. bought into that mysticism entirely without really knowing what the fuck she's talking about. So everything is a sign. Uh, yes. And this is why it's funny later on when the, like she gets kind of like the axe, and it's like, well, it, the writing was on the wall. Yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> uh, but that was a neat scene. I did the uh, other thing I do um, have here, especially when it comes to them showing uh, Haggard's class and Buckbeak. The CGI in this movie is better than the new Marvel fucking TV show. Yes, I except for a couple of parts. Except for a here. couple of parts where Harry, when Harry is riding Buckbeak. But um, the CGI immensely improved with this movie. I, cause which which you, helped a lot with the uh, even that scene where he's spinning the cup like you, with the fucking yes, yeah, that, that was CGI too. So they input that like throughout, and it kind of looks pretty fucking damn good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks I, like it's actually happening versus video game blob moving. <laughs> Now, now I, 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 I kind of thought about this, too, not that I'm trying to, like, fucking defend any bad CGI from mm-hmm. the Marvel side of things. I know it's bad, too. But I think a big reason that some of the CGI stuff is as good as it is is also the kind of theme and motif that they do for Harry with, like, this, like, old colonial English look. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's every single scene or every single character, every single moment, but I think the environments that they're in with, like, the old, like old colonial look to it kind of helps with like the blending and the immersion of the suspension. Yeah, I mean if you were to compare it to something like She-Hulk where it's a big green woman in a lawyer's office, it's going to stand it's going to stand out no matter what, right? Uh, Where this is like a forest, it's the forest aspect plus you're like they're melting together a couple of real animals so they do have something to build it on. It's not completely out of left field like Modoc, for instance, mm. stretched face and a little body and uh. all weird. Uh, question: mm-hmm. Where the fuck did uh, okay, so um, Malfoy's a piece of shit, right? Yes. Where the fuck did he get a Granny Smith apple, apple from randomly? <laughs> stole it off of Can somebody's. Just, he stole it out of somebody's bag for for lunch. Oh my god! Uh, you know that's when you knew he was a fucking cunt. He shows up eating Granny Smith randomly. 
Yeah. Oh my god, that's your biggest gripe with him? He's a cunt because he has an apple? <laughs> no, but he, he's also, uh, like, his acting is better than the rest of because I think he's older. I... Yeah. I think he's older. I'm pr- almost 100% certain. I think he's Although I, a couple months I did, older here. Hold on. I, I did make a note here about Malfoy that, like, he's a dick, great, but, like, even some of his dickish behavior just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like I don't asshole, but, like... like He's a bully that's got put in his place and still remains a bully. Well, well f- which is fine, but, like, it just makes it like, oh, you're stupid. I'm not stupid. Did you just say I'm not stupid, stupid? Like, what, 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 what the <laughs> fuck? What, what are we doing here? Like, this... Yeah, it's just like... It, Malfoy is one of the biggest missed opportunities in these movies. Oh, fuck well, yes. he'll, he's going to get better, I know that. No, but, like, even when he gets more prominent... He's, it's still like it's I for know. me. It's hugely missed. He he had he had a very interesting arc that like never really comes together. Tom Felton is two years older than Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, I knew yeah. he was older, and he kind of shows with the acting. But the acting is it better across the board in this movie. Well, it, he showed okay. his prowess with acting in the very in the second movie because that scene with him and Crabbe and Goyle being Harry Potter and Ron Weasley. He turned, when he turned to that one after he said, he, oh, I was reading, because he had to take the glasses off yet. He was supposed to have a different line in that scene, but Tom Felton forgot that line and just on the spot improvised. I didn't know you could read. Huh. Goddamn. Yeah. No, he, so. is, he is he is a good actor. It just, yeah, it, it just, like I said, it was, it's more the writing of anything else. It's just like, what, you still like a characteristic cartoon villain bully dick I don't get like it, the, the scene with Dumbledore in the main hall where it's like we're gonna be host to the Dementors first of all what the fuck Dumbledore is also like he's like the most powerful but like the biggest <laughs> bitch on the fucking planet and it's like it's like hey uh, we're gonna be host to the Dementors don't do anything to make them kill you what <laughs> well that's, that's unfortunate with yes Dumbledore is the most powerful wizard because of the fact that he has the Elder Wand, which we will get into in later movies as to the significance of the Elder Wand. Um, he still shit. it's he still has to follow wizarding laws. And unfortunately with this situation, the Ministry of Magic wants the Dementors there to try and find Sirius Black as fast as possible. And they thinking that he's going to be going after Harry Potter. First logical thing is he's going to go to the school. Like, in my mind, this is like, the problem I have with the Dementors is they've already proven they're going after kids before they even yes. get to the school. Yes. <laughs> so, yep. like, that to be like, yes, stick around. Yeah, I, I agree. I, the Dumbledore should have sat there and said, no, you're not putting them at my at my school. They attacked, attacked my fucking my train. Start the school year. <laughs> yeah. It's literally the definition of fuck around and find out. Essentially, yeah. Um, the more you fuck around, the more you'll find out. But that is one thing also with Michael Gambon that he continued on from Richard Harris when he was putting those important tidbits out like, do not give them a reason to attack you. You notice his eyes went to one particular spot and then the camera cuts to Harry. That was one thing that Richard Harris always did as Dumbledore as well. Whenever it was something important like that, he looked directly at Harry. 
apple of my eye. <laughs> move, but okay. and I was like, "Fuck the rest of you." I've got my favorite. I, I can't imagine anyone will give anyone any Dementor a reason to attack them. <laughs> what, 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 did, what did I do? What, I didn't even know what a Dementor was until twenty minutes ago. Right. <laughs> all right. Give all the kids guns. I put that as a note too. <laughs> They'll solve everything. Uh, now we get to moving on now to the fun class, which. Yeah. Said. Yeah. In defense against the dark arts, Professor Lupin instructs the class in the defeat of a boggart, which changes its form to appear as one's greatest fear. When Harry steps up, it manifests itself as a dementor. However, Lupin sets in to defeat it before Harry gets the chance. We're going to pause it there because that is actually a pretty big scene. And it also had questions from JP, which I don't really have an answer for aside from... As we noticed with this, that the Boggarts can also have the same powers as the things that they copy. As we learn later on. But with this, um, going through it, I mean, the very first one he pulls up is poor Neville. <laughs> I lo- I, you know, oh, I, I made a note here that I'm loving Neville more. I, I know what happens. In yes. Part. I know. Like, I, I, yes. But, but, he, but regardless, it doesn't take away my appreciation of it in every single movie. Um, but go ahead, sorry. Yeah, he pulls up poor Neville and asks Neville, what is your greatest fear? What scares you the most? And he says, Professor Snape, which Remus laughs at, of course, as the rest of the class. And he's just staring. He's like, I recall you live with your grandmother, correct? Yeah, I don't want him to turn into that either. <laughs> Fucking poor Neville and the crap he's been through. Oh, my sure. God. But then the dementors go after him. Right? And then fucking at the end, Alan Rickman being the hero of this scene and cross dressing as Neville's grandmother. <laughs> fucking brilliant. Well, I, I before we get that real fast, I did make a note here. Uh, Neville is the butters of Harry Potter. Yes, he is. Yeah, he very much is. Until um, the last but, two movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, well well even even Butters has his moments. Um Okay, so the bogger. So the idea that it, 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 it I actually there, there's a couple of things I like about the scene. First of all, I love the idea of the creature. Yes, um, I think it's a very intriguing uh, plot device. Specifically, when we get to the very end of the boggard with Lupin stepping in to protect Harry, I thought that was very, very, very fucking clever foreshadowing. Oh yes. Um. <laughs> I had questions about the bugger. Like, what's the extent to what it can turn into? Because what if some kid has some fucking twisted shit going on? <laughs> it's a, whatever, whatever is you you are most afraid of. That's what it will turn into. It turns into someone's uncle with a gigantic erection. Sure, Uncle Willie. <laughs> also, another today. another. Wouldn't that be appropriate for school? Another another. Interesting fact is there is only one person alive in the Harry Potter universe that has actually seen the true form of a boggart. And we'll meet him later on. But how does he know if it's the true form? Because of his certain magical friend. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Now I want to know what they look like. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) All right. Um... But yes, the the foreshadowing there with the Remus Lupin being afraid of full moon is huge, huge foreshadowing that skipped over a lot of people's heads. 
Um, I like how the book does it a lot better than the movie. It's yeah. a bit more um, less, a bit less obvious in the book. Hermione like was wet, the best. A white ball or something instead of like the exact moon. Yeah, <laughs> a wet ball. <laughs> no, a white ball. <laughs> they said wet ball. I'm like what? It just turns into a wet why bomb. Is, why is it wet? Yeah, but in the book, Hermione's fear is the best one. It's just Professor McGonagall coming out of the closet with this giant scroll saying, you failed this, you failed that, you failed this, you're never going to amount to anything as a wizard. Uh, I would have loved to have seen that personally, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, moving on. Harry is also, t- what the fuck was with that clown? Sorry. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible, uh, terrible choice. Uh, no, it wasn't. That wasn't a fear. That was the snake being turned into a clown from Pavardi. It, yeah, I'll the, take the snake. she turned it into like a more terrifying. <laughs> I know. I'll take, the, I'll take the snake. <laughs> oh, excuse me. All right, <laughs> Harry's. Yeah, what a Harry's... actually looks like. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm sure it is, as most uh, of the features are. It's not what it actually looks like. It's just some kids drawing. I, I'll Google it. <laughs> no, I, I sent it to you on Twitter. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Harry is told he can't go on the school outings to Hogsmeade, a local village inhabited solely by magical be- beings, as he hasn't got his admission slip signed and watches his friends go without him. Instead, he meets with Lupin, and Harry discovers that the reason he wasn't allowed to fight the Boggart was that Lupin had been worried it would take this the shape of Voldemort. This concern catches Harry by surprise. Excuse me, because Harry had been thinking even more fearfully about the Dementors. Later that night, Sirius Black breaks into Hogwarts and destroys the Fat Lady's portrait and that guards Gryffindor Tower. There's a little Easter egg with this part too, uh, and the parts before it. Uh, where was it? The students spend the night sleeping in the Great Hall while the teachers teachers search the castle for Black. Because Black is believed at large in the castle, Dementors are sent specifically to patrol the perimeter of Hogwarts. Next day, Professor Snape replaces Lupin as Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher while Lupin is intriguingly incapable of teaching at the present time. In an odd divergence from routine, he teaches the class about werewolves. And we'll Turn pause the there. <laughs> from Five points from Gryffindor. Yeah, what the fuck is him? Like, uh, fucking twat. Um, so, uh, for some reason, I, I put a note here that the, the whole idea of like him missing the Hogsmeade uh, trip so that, that he could um, catch up with Lupin, I thought was kind of a bit of a... I, I kind of enjoyed that, to be honest with you. Like, it's a little bit of like a, a divergence because you think like, oh, Harry's just going to always go to fucking whatever they're doing. And it just, it was... Not that big a deal, but for some reason I noted that like it, it was a bit refreshing. I think this is kind of for me where like things change up a little bit. Of, like, oh, it's not the stereotypical like we, we might have the same fucking like. I felt to an extent I felt like one and two had very similar plot tropes of like then this, then that, just like the fucking Marvel movies. They do this, <laughs> da, da, da. and three broke the cycle for me. In this particular scene, I made a note of that. I said like something about the way this was handled, where it's like no, Harry didn't go to the fucking. Uh, field trip and instead caught up with lupin and it just also made me uh, enjoy the lupin character a little bit more or like favorite yeah poison. it definitely it definitely showed you more of the actual personality behind the professor 
it, yes. it's also good to finally hear someone that knew his parents talk about his parents mm-hmm. and talk about He's them supportive. in a good light. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. It's, it's like, it's one of those things where like this this scene is so important for the character of Harry to become more than just a self like a, a opportunity for self insert to the world. Mm-hmm. He's this is where he kind of like starts to become an actual character. Yes, outside of being like the entry point for the world for the audience. Yes. And also, I, there was like an echo when he was when Lupin was talking. I'm like, what the fuck? It sounds like he's in a hall, hallway, speaking. Well, when they were first talking, they were on the bridge, so there would be an echo, because it is a covered bridge. No, there's something one trillion holes in that motherfucker. There'd still be an echo because of the roof. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, he was speaking outside. <laughs> Whatever. It's a. <laughs> no, but the little Easter egg. In this with the fat lady um and a couple other times you see in the background the white knight i forget i forget his name but he's mentioned quite a bit in the book as going from painting to painting to painting to painting to painting it doesn't matter where in the castle it is you'll always find this knight <laughs> i i actually had a note about that too where like i thought the paintings were at least in this use was very clever. Yes. Yeah. Like there was first of all, the amount of them was amped up, and they all intertwine. You see a giraffe going through the entire scene. Some people stay in the one frame, and like the the way that visually, it was, this is again the background of every scene. Yes. Reinforces the magical nature of the movie, which really helps it. Also, the fat lady was great. Anyway. Oh fuck! She was she was so much better than the first one they had. Oh yeah. my god! Um, and also with the paintings as well. When when Dumbledore comes up and asks uh, Argus to have the teacher start searching all the paintings, or have the ghosts search all the paintings, Ar- Argus Phillips turns around. We don't have to. She's right there. You can see in the paintings even they're all like, yeah, oh, right there, right there. They're, they're all they're all part of the scene, even though they're like. And it, like I'm always, I was almost kind of curious as to what the paintings actually are. Are they like a frame, kind of like a a framed moment in someone's life that is put on there that is still has enough personality to act like them. Um, but the fact the fact they're able to jump paintings though. That, well, that in the book it happens all the time. Too. Yes, and they even alluded to it, but the card game thing. He said, "I've got Dumbledore." Well, you can't expect him to, to be, be there, there all the time. Yes, with. The, with the head, the former headmaster paintings, I know from explanation that the headmasters in charge teach their paintings their personalities so that they can carry on those personalities in their daily routines within the painting. Um, and that they're used as early warning systems and that those magical painting systems are set up all over the wizarding world and partially in the muggle world as well. Because of meeting that communication for those that in the muggle world that know about the wizarding world to help keep it protected. Um, Or to keep the muggle world protected. Yeah. Uh, A very, uh, like a better use of an idea that was established already, but they explain it a bit more, show it a bit more. And this, like, after talking about the night bus thing, you see how they're using the paintings. It's just much more than the like, like I said before, much more than like over counter wizarding kit that you buy at right. a fucking joke shop or whatever. Exactly. Or the learn wizarding. Yeah. Learn magic one. through the <laughs> through the daily profit, like Argus was trying to do. 
<laughs> which, as we get to that point, which is coming up very soon, I will explain more about where they kind of switch to things with the book and the movie. Um, Before you go on, I'm sorry. Yes, I, go ahead. I also found it weird that, like, though they want to protect, I think th- there's the, the theme of them trying to protect Harry Potter because they know that Sirius Black has connections to Harry Potter. Right. They don't know necessarily that he's go- he's going after him, but it's very much a possibility. Mm-hmm. So much so that they're, like, kind of planning things. When he shows up, or, like, the fat lady says, oh, she, he slashed my picture. And, like, the answer is to keep him at the school where we last seen Sir- Sirius Black. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanted to know how she knew what he looked like. If he, <laughs> yeah, she's like, you're serious black. Eyes as soul as they soul as they say. <laughs> it was a black dog that scratched her, not a person, right? Like that, I in don't the know. Book, like the, the they never were weird. In the book they allude to it being him being in the dog form. Dog form. But it's never really well, it could have been what's his face. It uh, could have been Lupin. Going yeah. wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he was he was the night before he was indeed a werewolf. It's a design. That would make more. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah, because he's That's in the, the school already, it. and well. But yeah, it, it it's never really confirmed either way if it was actually Sirius Black in his human form or his dog form, or it could have been Remus Lupin as the werewolf. So. We shall never know. Yes, it's never been confirmed. Fucking A. <laughs> Alright, moving on here. Connor's favorite part here. During the next Ooh. school Quidditch match, a popular wizard sport, several Dementors approach and try to engage their powers over Harry, causing him to faint and fall off his broomstick. Dumbledore Dead. breaks Harry's fall, but his broomstick flies off into the magical tree, the Whomping Willow, and is destroyed. Dead. Dumbledore is angry that the Dementors came within school grounds as they were prohibited from doing so. Harry wonders why the Dementors seem to have a special interest in him, and Lupin reveals that this is due to the horrors within Harry's past. Harry considers that he needs to know how to defend himself against them and convinces Lupin as such, who agrees to teach him. We'll pause it right there. Yes, he should be. Uh, but this is also a part where the Whomping Willow comes back into play. And, yeah. I mean, this just glosses over it. He's chasing this snitch, and it's in the middle of a giant rainstorm. One broom is hit by lightning and catches on fire. And then you have another guy who gets frozen and then electrocuted as he's flying up to try and, and get the snitch. Sure. <laughs> that guy was like, did that man just get electrocuted? He's dead immediately. Oh my God, just stop everything. <laughs> like, why is this happening? Yeah. Oh, man. And but not to mention, Harry is, is, my favorite. Harry uh, is flying all the way up into the fucking atmosphere, thinnest part of the atmosphere for human beings to begin with, so that alone should have killed him. Yep. <laughs> Visually, this is my favorite Quidditch scene. It's also short. Some of the Quidditch stuff. Quidditch. Yeah, yeah, but like some of the Quidditch stuff in the past was too, a bit too much to get to where they wanted to get. It's always kind of Quidditch is not used to show Quidditch; it's to show storyline. Yes. Um, and this does that very well, and also looks a lot better. We don't have the rubbery mm-hmm. graphics anymore. Everything looks much better. I don't think we get too much Quidditch after this. 
in all honesty. We get the World Cup, but you don't get to see that. <laughs> oh, they show parts of the World Cup while they're while they're talking, yeah. but um, I don't. Oh, you get the, no, there's the there's one stuff. There's one more Quidditch school Quidditch match that they show, but then after that, nothing on Quidditch. Yeah. This one, I think, I think is a really interesting like scene visually. Yeah. Uh, again, everybody's dead, and uh, you, you do have Dumbledore cast magic without a wand. Yes. Yep. So there's a couple things that happen. Also, this is the second attack on the same fucking kid. Get these fucking things at the school. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, and Lupin does bring up the point that Harry has had such traumatic happenings in his past that it would make sense for the Dementors to be drawn to him because of the fact that he has so much sadness within him. Neville. And that, they should be attacking Neville too. Yes, absolutely. But Neville's not... In their and vicinity. Any of the adults, maybe. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but for those of you who don't know, because none of the movies explain it, Neville's parents were actually tortured to the point of being clinically insane by the Cofundus, uh, the Cruciatus curse, by Death Eaters. So that's why Neville is living with his grandparents. So. Oh yeah. I think the movies end up saying that. The uh, Bell- Bellatrix Lestrange yes. did that and then killed them. In the movies, it alludes to them being killed. Killed, yes. But um, they're in the books, they're at St. Margus or something like that church, uh, hospital for wizards and witches. Honestly, the ne- Neville, like I remember reading the books, Neville has, Neville, like, I remember this big theory of Neville basically being Harry Potter. He could have uh, just as He could have very been easily been, one. yes. But it just didn't shake out that way. And Neville's character is one of the most interesting characters in the fucking, yeah. uh, in the books. And eventually, kind of in the movies, though, they don't give up enough time, I don't think. No, they don't. They really don't. He deserves so much more. I mean, especially with the next movie coming up, how much he blossoms in that movie alone. So. Yeah. Uh, this is where it gets really, it starts to get really fun now, too, because uh, Lupin has agreed to teach Harry the um, Expecto Patronum spell to, so that he can learn to cast his own Patronus. But he, t- he tells him Ooh. he has to wait until after the holidays so he can rest up, which is another foreshadow for what he actually is. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now, moving on. At the time of the next school outing, still keen to go to Hogwarts, Harry attempts to sneak into the village under his invisibility cloak, but is caught by Fred and George Weasley, who gave him the Marauder's Map. There's going to be an Easter egg about this. It is a map of the entire school and shows the real-time locations of everyone on the grounds. Fred and George also tell Harry that the map shows the whereabouts of several secret passages out of Hogwarts, ideal for leaving undetected. Once in Hogsmeade's vi- Hogsmeade Village and back under his invisibility cloak, Harry catches sight of the mi- of the Minister Fudge and his of the Minister Fudge. Oh God, of the Minister Fudge. Want <laughs> some of that forbidden fudge? It's some, it's some of the some of the grammar in this. Jesus. Sight of the Minister Fudge and Professor Minerva McGonagall chatting in the street, discussing Black and himself. He follows them as they go inside and is shocked to overhear that Sirius Black was his parents' best friend and is still his godfather and a legal guardian. 
Black supposedly divulged the Potter's secret whereabouts to Lord Voldemort and murdered their friend Peter Pettigrew, as well as 12 muggle bystanders. Harry, va Harry vows to kill Black. We're going to pause it right there because that's a lot to go over. And the Easter egg. Fred and George mentioned in the movie that they had found the Marauder's Map in Filch's office first year during detention. Now, going back to, I think it was the second movie, where Argus Filch dropped that piece of paper where he's trying to learn magic. It was actually Fred and George who discovered that piece of paper and all the other ones of all the different classes he was trying to take. And for those of you who don't know, Argus Filch is a squib. He's born to a magic family, but does not have any magical powers of his own. Squib. Right. Um, there's, there's actually a few things I wanted to note about this. First and foremost, this made me fall in love with the twins. Oh, God, yes. I, 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 know, I don't know what it was about this scene with them helping Harry. If it, well, but, but I mean, it should have been when they fucking, you know, kidnapped the buggy and fucking ripped off his window in the last <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something, about this, something about this one. I love the idea of the Marauder's map, which is basically just a fucking, um, I put Call of Duty map. Because <laughs> that's what—that's exactly what I fucking thought of. I'm like, oh, it's Call of Duty map. Um, I also love the uh, I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. Like, it's, it's purposely like a mischievous item. Um, and... I'm kind of torn about the idea of the invisibility cloak being used for exposition. Like, I, I it, it feels like a clever way, but it also feels like a lazy... I, I don't know. Maybe I'm on about that one. You mean, like, them noticing the footprints that he was trying to use it to get to... Hogsmeade yeah, or whatever and, and figuring out that well, was him well, trying to sneak out. Well, like, him, like, eavesdropping on, you know, conversations where it's like, Oh, didn't you hear? And then tells everything that they already oh, know. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, like, kind of, yeah. Yeah, like, like, uh, yeah, I mean, there's ways to do it, I guess. The one thing I, I do I'm enjoy torn. is that they, they keep it relevant by showcasing mm -hmm. it. But, yeah. uh, and that's like one of the only items that fucking Harry Potter does this with. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, it just so happens to just so happen that I have, like, you know, I, I don't really dislike it for exposition purposes, but um, it's definitely. I'm torn. Yeah, it, it, it feels a little off. It's not really off because it does happen in the book as well. Um, At least there's purpose for being there. Yeah, it's not a scene that's out of position. Maybe maybe it's different. I feel like in, in the books I had absolutely no problem with this because he was trying to use the invisibility cloak to get to a place and remain on scene. Mm -hmm. And she just so happens to like catch something weird happening with people meeting and joins in there with it well it's because while they're it, they really mention like they, they mention while they're still outside that serious black and it's like we have you want to know more let's get inside where there's less ears so they, yeah. they, they having that mentioned outside is what helps bring harry in and follow them also, up also were they like just out of the open in the place they shouldn't have been no that's all part of hogsmeade oh okay i was sure i was like what the fuck I was, I was a little confused about that part, so. But no, um, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not against it. It's, it's, it's right. a little off. It, it, I guess it's, it's, I can understand that because it's kind of, it's, they, he uses like a catch-all or a MacGuffin type thing to right. get what the information that he wants. I mean, in the end, it, that's the way that cloak is used throughout the entirety of the show. When you're in the movie, when you see it, even in the first 
the, the first time he gets it, he uses it to get to the library, you know, sure to get what true. he wants. But it's very much like, when I need this, I can use this. Like, it's very convenient, let's just say. Yes. Um, yeah. the, the, the one thing that I have to pinpoint, and it has no real bearing on the storyline, this, this is probably the only Harry Potter movie that does seasonal transitions really fucking well the fucking one do it god damn it the, se- yeah, the changing of the seasons yes the winter one <laughs> the winter one was great with the uh, the owl or bird or whatever yep. yes. um and the fall one was great with the whomping willow <laughs> oh, the whomping, uh, the whomping willow was even used in the transition to the winter because if that's well, one of the things i brought up to jp while watching it it's like i never noticed it before but when it shakes off the snow you get the splashes of ice on the the camera lens. Yep. Yeah, the the transitional scenes for uh, the seasons changing are great. Uh, did anybody else see fucking like I looked at Malfoy shows up in this fucking shit? What the fuck kind of hat is this man wearing? He's got like the uh, the raccoon hat, but it's also like a secret baseball cap underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like, know, what the I fuck am- is that? Since since you're bringing that up, we can go back a little further. There's many people out there who think Harry stole the lollipop from Neville. Well, no. If he had stole it, his hand would be visible from outside of the cloak. The lollipop got stuck on his cloak. Yeah. It got stuck on his cloak. Oh, my God. Forever I thought he stole the fucking lollipop. (laughs) No, because you remember in that first movie when he first got it. When he got first got the cloak and he was using the lantern, if yeah. he brought the yeah, lantern I mean, inside the cloak, the, the light would not you emanate. Could the, you could have the cloak on your hand when you grasp grasp something, right? Mm, what? Not comfortably. Well, he wouldn't be eating it, so it doesn't really make sense for him to grasp <laughs> it anyway. Right. But it got stuck on his cloak and ca- it carried it out that way. So... There's a scene that I hope JP loved in this part when he gets upset after he learns his godparent or whatever. Harry Potter in his cloak runs out and just plows into a bunch of midgets singing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think Christ, that was a I douchebag. <laughs> at that point, I think I think JP was in here watching wrestling, so I don't think he saw that part. But I know he would love it if he saw it. But yes, also. In that scene, finding out that Sirius Black was indeed his godfather and that he still supposedly not only killed his parents, but also poor Peter Pettigrew and 12 muggles on a street somewhere in an alleyway somewhere in London. You know what I think it is, Connor? I think it's not so much the invisibility cloak. It's the the scene, the exposition in that scene is pretty poorly handled. Poor. It's just like verbal diary of everything you need to know right now. <laughs> which, which I, I, that's why I'm torn. Like on one hand, I think it's clever because it's a way for Harry to know what's going on. Because God forbid, fucking anybody outside of the fucking Weasleys tell them what the fuck and Hagrid tell them what the fuck is going on. But well, second, with, with like, Hagrid, it's always accidental. Because if you remember, the second half of the movie was the I shouldn't have said that theme. Yeah, that that was kind of terrible too. But it, it was more forgivable because the movie was geared towards really young kids. Mm-hmm. This one, however, is like just everything you need to know. I'm going to say right now, conveniently, and and it didn't really seem like that. Yeah, it was okay on a very low level. It was natural conversation, but it I'm was. I, I want to just be very clear that I am nitpicking. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, I'm not. 
this is the thing I said to Heather before you got into the call, Connor. I'm like, man, I was taking notes for this movie, and then I just stopped because <laughs> I don't really have a lot to like, to complain about. After a certain point, it's just I'm gonna watch it and fuck this because trying to like look at it as as I looked at the other two movies just doesn't work. Right. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. Anything else you want to add, Connor? Before I move on. Nah, I want invisibility cloak. I'm just jealous. <laughs> yeah. And if you get that invisibility cloak, I'm gonna expose all over you. <laughs> oh my god, Inspector Patrona! <laughs> all right. I swear that's the ejaculation spell. It's killing me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to yell it and point your wand, and you're just fucking on load. Oh my god. Clue goo. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) On returning from the outing, we find out that from Hagrid that as a consequence of Lucius Malfoy's complaint, Buckbeak has been sentenced to death. The same night that that same night after hours, Harry is astonished when he sees the aforementioned Peter Pettigrew's name on the Marauders map. He goes looking for him but can't find him. After Professor Snape discovers Harry out of bed, the map is confiscated by Lupin, who meets them and is in covering for Harry, tells Snape it is merely a joke parchment of no significance. I'm going to pause right there because also one other little it's quick pause. Another little Easter egg with the Marauder's map. Remember the names that were on it? Yeah. Padfoot, Prongs, uh, Padfoot, Mooney, people, Prongs, yeah. and Wormtail, or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's the four that. It's uh, the four it's boys: the, yeah. James, Sirius, Remus, and Peter. Oh, for God's sake! They do no, but they do drop the ball in this movie because I remember the book like explaining that they used because he unfortunately got turned into a werewolf. They became animagus to hang out with him at, at the time form. that he is in that current state yes which is also that which they skipped over here the reason for not only the shrieking shack but also the whomping willow wait because of them because of remus lupin <sighs> of course yeah okay then dumbledore yeah, as headmaster at that time did not want Lupin to miss out on being able to still be a wizard and fine-tune his craft. So they found they found the abandoned house. They built a tunnel underneath where the Whomping Willow is, as we find out later on in this movie. So that during that time, just that once a month, just before the full moon, Lupin could go there and be trapped in that house during that night of the full moon. And still be able to get his werewolf aggressions mm-hmm. out, which is why it's called the Shrieking Shack. Yeah, that's why they're like, uh, it's the most haunted shack. In the books, they allude to him. Yeah, he's shackled in there and he makes a bunch of fucking noise. And the <laughs> Whomping Willow was planted there to prevent people from finding the tunnel and entering it and ending up meeting their doom. But, they, but also it's like we don't want them to fight this tunnel because they'll meet their doom so we're going to plant a tree that will kill them if they come near <laughs> right as you do so and of course and of course if you, if you notice 
with the four boys, there is some similarities between Rod, Fred, George, and Harry for the Marauders map as well. Wait, yeah. say it one more time. There is similarities of the four boys, James, yeah. Remus, Sirius, and Peter, hanging around. You also have, because of later on becoming all part, all members of the Quidditch team, Ron, Fred, George, and Harry. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can see that. Also, it's like the perfect item for the twins to have. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. <laughs> absolutely, man. That's how they get. That's how they avoid so much trouble between that and befriending Peeves. So, moving on here. Um, Harry has... (laughs) Okay. This sentence almost did not make any grammatical sense to me whatsoever. Harry has the agreed private class with Lupin in which he must generate a Patronus, a shield that is used to repel the Dementors. Lupin has him test himself out on a Boggart. He fails the first time, but conjures one on his second attempt. Later on, returning to a recently finished divinations class to bring back a crystal ball knocked over by Hermione, Harry re-encounters Professor Trelawney. She grabs Harry by the shoulder, speaks as though possessed, and predicts that the Dark Lord's servant will return to him that night and that the innocent blood shall be spilled. Whew. So Trelawney is like, the the, the reason I was like kind of like, eh, about her was like, okay, if she's used to like kind of hype up the coming threat and looming danger, then fine. Okay, cool. But, other than that, but I, I do agree on the casting choice. I think she's a fucking fantastic uh, oh, yeah. actress. But as far as the point of her class, other than just being like the, shit's coming! Yeah. Story-wise, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I do like her character. It's such a, like, the character to me is kind of funny because she is legit, Yet she has no idea she's legit. Right. And she acts like a fucking fraud 99% of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what pissed Hermione off so much because she, in the in that scene, she looks in the cup and says, she looks into the crystal ball and says, the Grim. And Trelawney with offhandedness as her mind is, and oh, my dear child, your wit and skill for this class are as dried as the books you read. It's just like, oh, damn, she got roasted. <laughs> yeah, I know. Fucking... And, then, and then for her to sit there, oh, wait, did I say something? <laughs> as Hermione's leaving the class and knocks the crystal ball off the stand. Uh, what they also don't mention is Harry looking into the crystal ball and seeing the face of Sirius Black whispering his name. But it, it, It's a great... Okay, Hermione leaving this class makes... Perfect sense for her character, too, because yes. she is very much, like, based in the real. So when something takes, uh, like, a gap of logic mm-hmm. to accept, she does not accept it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, one thing that I wish they would have done, even it was just one scene of where she's in the common room talking with them about what's going on with Sirius Black and what and all of this other goings-on that's happening... Just to see the mountain of homework she has because of expressing how many classes she is taking that year. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll talk about, we'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I wrote here, Lupin keeps feeding kids chocolate while teaching how to shoot white loads at a swan. 
You wrote that? I don't know. It's a piece of art, isn't it? It is, but... <laughs> but, um, yeah. I enjoy him getting that private lesson because it's also showing that this teacher cares a bit more about yeah, Harry's protection. A, a stand-in fatherish figure yeah. with him at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, it's one of those things of I feel if Lupin had continued being the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, it would have been better for Harry if this were like the the real scenario. But um I feel he was also one of the best teachers to have ever been in the line of teachers that we have been show- shown. The only other That's one totally being even more better would be McGonagall. Yeah. But I agree with you. I agree with you that like this like Lupin's kind of one of the reasons why I feel like this this series is starting to turn favorite. Like that's why this movie is one of my favorites because like, hey, an actual ally instead of like the, the character being revealed to be a dick. Yeah, and it, it breaks that trope that I mean they kind of go back to and they kind like the dark guards teacher never sticks around. I I kind of yeah. I hate the fact that they kind of rely on that throughout the entire series to an ex- to an extent. Uh, this though is a nice, and it's also a nice transition to finally get like though we know Dumbledore is on Harry Potter's side. He is so like hands off, willingly like he does. He wants to like help Harry, but like from a distance constantly. Right. You finally get somebody he can interact with on a regular basis that's like, I knew your parents. I was their friend. I know what you've been through. I person. felt what you felt, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, was good, it was good to see that kind of a connection for Harry. And as Kratos mentioned here, also at the end of that scene, they did in the book how share a butterbeer and chocolate as well. He's like the, he's like the uncle. He like is. Harry's uncle. He yeah. is. He's the fun uncle. Yeah. But it's also a world. Alright. <laughs> We're gonna start getting into the thick of things here with this now as we are probably reaching just about the midpoint of the movie. Um when Harry, Ron, and Hermione learn that Buckbeak is to be executed, they visit Hagrid in his hut to console him. On the way, Draco taunts them about it and Hermione punches him in the face. While there fucking best scene ever. While there, Hagrid says they cannot remain with him during the execution and that Buckbeak can't be set free since the officials would know it was Hagrid. Hagrid was also, has also found Ron's lost rat, Scabbers, and returns it to Ron. Ron had re- wrongly believed that his rat had been eaten by Hermione's cat. As the execution party approaches the hut, stones fly through the window and they leave, fly through the window and they leave and run back to the edge of the castle, watching the execution from afar. Scabbers then bites Ron, who chases after him, finally collecting him under the Whomping Willow. The black dog makes another appearance and attacks Ron and drags him along with Scabbers into a hole at the tree's base. Harry and Hermione following, finding a tunnel which leads them to the Shrieking Shack. We're going to pause there, because there's a lot going on with this right here. Horrible security. (laughs) But as I mentioned... A hole under the tree of the Whomping Willow leading to a tunnel that takes to the Shrieking Shack. Um, Excuse me. Uh, This is the fun part because it's at this moment we're all wondering who the fuck is throwing the stones in the window that hit Harry. First hit the flower pot and then hit Harry in the back of the head. So we get that first 
another little foreshadowing of what's going on on Hermione's end that we don't figure out until just shortly after this. Yes. Which is, I believe, it, that for me, that, that was another level for this movie that they could have taken that made it that much better compared to the first two. Well, yes, no, I, I agree with you on that. I so I'm trying to I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Uh, fuck, basement, you go. Yeah, basement, you go first. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to this scene, I get like, well, I mean, I'm gonna say like, where they go with it. Obviously, they travel back in time. As a rule of thumb, I fucking hate time travel and anything that it's done in, um, and I feel like at least. With this movie, they kind of limit it. It's alluded to with what uh, she's doing, and she's traveling back to like do her classes and shit like that. When they do do the time travel shit, it's very like uh, it's it's like well organized into a very small period of the movie. Yes, it It keeps it within the same year. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they never really tell us like how far back you could go, but we I always assumed with the time turner, it's like a very small time period. What? Said time turner. That's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, that's what it's called. Oh, I used to called. have one. <laughs> I think I thought you were thinking. Never mind. I'm fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> so like I was, I almost figured that like they couldn't go, he couldn't go back very far. Um, uh, they, Kratos says he always like the punch. He thought it was real from uh, her. I when I'm watching it, I'm watching. She has like her fucking her knuckles out. Like it's she punches him like she's doing a fucking Ihanta slap. <laughs> <laughs> But still, but still, it was a good scene because fuck Malfoy. Oh fuck! Um, yeah. I knew as soon as she picked it up, like, and I mean, this should be a telling tale. When you see, like, she picks up, it's not just some random rock; it has like this little the swirl shell on formation it, yeah. on it. It's like, why did they make it look like that? So when you see it the next time, you recognize it. Uh, but it was uh, this is a fun. Uh, this is when the movie kind of gets like more fun i guess yeah this is <laughs> where the action starts this is literally yeah. the very beginning of it it's weird though with harry potter movies i always feel like there's about an hour of start before the movie actually starts right yes and in the first two it was needed for like building the world and this one it's used to establish atmosphere yeah so I, I don't mind it Connor, I don't have too much to add to this scene. So it just it feels like the whole but the whole Buckbeak scene just seems kind of off. I, I mean, obviously, like I, yeah, I like, like the guy sharpening his blade, staring at kids yeah. at the fucking school. <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Yes, it's kind of just weird. To, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just overthinking. And then obviously the idea of like the benefit of hindsight, but. I don't know. Just it just seemed a little off to like the whole this whole part seemed off to me. It's like oh, then it makes sense. What is it? Twenty five minutes later, or whatever it is, something like that. It, it also kind of like why wouldn't you just fucking unshackle the creature and say yeah. it got away? Because yeah, that's essentially what happens anyway. Because it would bow. And <laughs> well, the whole that it's not even just that. Thing is so weird with the atom. If, if it's done. <laughs> While they're not there to see Hagrid right in front of their face, then, or, you know, seeing 
seeing Buckbeak there and then seeing Hagrid there and having Hagrid in their face the whole time, they it, they absolutely would have suspected that Hagrid had let him loose. But and the horse he would have gotten wings. in more trouble. It's a horse with wings. If it takes off and disappears, it's like, what are they going to do to Hagrid? Cut his head off? It's not, a, it's not a horse with wings. It's a bird with hooves. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> a bird with hooves would be the size of a small bird. <laughs> to you. <laughs> uh, just like how over the top the fucking executioner was. Oh he's god, like, yeah. his blade. <laughs> yeah. uh, With a fucking like half sack on his face. I was about to say the fucking hood that he had on was fucking hilarious because it was both too big and also never centered. Why yes. would you wear this? And first of all, wouldn't your head get fucking warm? You know what? I, I, Ten bucks said it belonged to the <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah. It's your <laughs> fucking Donkey McGee. <laughs> oh my god. Holy shit. Anyway. Oh. Alright. Right. In a fast-moving scene... Harry finally confronts Sirius Black, who has been led to believe wishes to kill him and whom he wishes to kill. We discover that as an illegal animagus, Black can transform into an animal at will. Thus, he is also the infamous Black Dog. Professor Lupin, who had spotted the group on the confiscated, marau confiscated marauder's map, suddenly bursts in and embraces his old friend Black. Confronted by Hermione, Lupin admits to being a werewolf. Lupin and Black then explain that Black is not the one who betrayed the Potters. Rather, it was Peter Pettigrew, who had, who has been hiding for 12 years in his animagus form as Scabbers, Ron's rat. He is Voldemort's servant, not Black, and he framed Black for his crimes. Meanwhile, Snape bursts in, also confronting Black, but is disposed of by Harry. Harry is skeptical of the story until Black and Lupin force Pettigrew back into his human form, and after some squealing resistance, Pettigrew finally confesses that it is true, proving Black's innocence. Black further clears up the misunderstanding by explaining that on discovery Pettigrew was still alive, he escaped Azkaban in order to kill him. As Lupin and Black are about to kill Pettigrew, Harry stops them and showing, and showing Pettigrew mercy, tells him that they will take him back to the castle where he can be left for the Dementors. We're going to pause there. He had sucked off. Yeah. This was the aha moment for this movie because um, it's brought to light that Scabbers has been, it was brought to the light before that Scabbers has been part of the Weasley family for quite a number of years. And even somebody who's not really paying attention when they hear that it's a 12 year old rat, wait a minute. Rats don't have that long of a lifespan. Magic. It could have been magic, yes, but at the same time, it does get fishy. Um, and I feel the introduction of him and the fact that the rat was also missing one of its toes and Peter Pettigrew had cut off one of his fingers to escape being captured. Fucking brilliant. So every Harry, with the exception of the last one, there's mm -hmm. pretty much a twist in every Harry Potter movie slash book. This was, without a doubt, my favorite one because it took such left. It took so many turns in so many directions. 
And like some of the stuff you could kind of see coming in the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, like even Order of the Phoenix didn't really have much of a twist in my opinion, but 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 the point is is that like there was at least the like what the twist uh, mm-hmm. if I can Shyamalan. <laughs> this one this one was the best one out of them all by a fucking landslide. Um, Not even be- like I, I as as much as I love the Tom Riddle like little like oh that's neat. Like I said, I Mar- felt oh, no. <laughs> it, it felt it felt a little kind of out of left field for me. This kind of hit like. And, and the part that I like about this the most is that it's not Voldemort directly. Right. It's not like it's like yes, it obviously involves Voldemort. It involves like Harry's backstory and, and and learning about his family and friends and allies and stuff like that. That's another reason why I think I like this so much is because it's not like oh it's 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 oh it's it's Voldemort spelled upside down while eating <laughs> spaghetti or some weird fucking shit like that. But, but, I knew you'd find me out. Yeah, God, uh, it was the mozzarella. Um, <laughs> But, but like, the fact that it was, like, something that happened in the past, the revelation, you think you know everything is going, and then it just completely twists and goes a different direction. But it didn't directly like, – I mean, yes, it involved it, – it, it was related to Voldemort, but, like, it didn't have immediate, like, ramifications to Voldemort, as it will, obviously, very, very soon. Uh, so that's another reason why I really rank this really high as far as, like, one of my favorites out of all of them is this this part right here. It, yeah, it, it, it gave us it gave us a break from Voldemort being the big bad, and it just it leads to now his followers, and the exactly. people that he had with him during his time of power, and really it's genius storytelling in my opinion. It, it, it also involves like a twist on yeah. a twist on a twist, and all of them make sense for the storyline, which is good. Um, what do I have for? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're animaguses, right? Yes. I'm assuming they do they are they able to choose what they turn into? Yes. Why yes, they are. When they were all like hanging out together as like, oh, I'm gonna be a werewolf. I'm a dog. Well, you I'm can't choose to be a werewolf. Okay, <laughs> that's that. That's <laughs> not could. a choice. Might be, bitch. <laughs> 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 but like, he's like, okay. Why is he for oh, my friends are a stag, a werewolf, and a big dog. I'm a rat. <laughs> it's it, like, it depends. It, from, like, you could choose. You could choose what to be as far as you know what you're capable of conjuring. I just say uh, I think like this movie would be exponentially better if Sirius Black turned into like a Pomeranian. <laughs> well, okay. they need he. he Explain. It was kind of explained in the book. Um, I always he, thought they turned into kind of. I, thought, I always thought it was like a Patronus, where it's like you're at like the the animal form of what you would be. Because like, oh, stag makes sense for James Harry's dad. Yeah, Sirius Blacks. Uh, I I don't know if we ever see it, but if we do, it's probably a dog, and maybe fucking rat face is a rat. But uh, otherwise, it's like uh, this is like that scene. Yes, you guys are right. The aha moment, and it makes everything make sense. Uh, this is also that scene where Expelleramus fucking explodes Snape into another dimension. All right, here I, I, I nearly spit my drink out. <laughs> I just, I had to I had to Google it. Um, you cannot choose your animagus animal, but ba- but realistically, an animagus is closely linked to your personality. For example, the brave and rebellious James Potter is a famous is famously a stag. 
whereas the conniving Rita Skeeter is a beetle. Oh, man, that must be, like, really disappointing when you find out what... Oh, man, I'm a rat. Big bad beetle question. <laughs> so... That's hilarious. So, so then it makes sense that Sirius would be a dog. Because he's also, fiercely yeah, loyal to his, he's fiercely yeah. loyal to his friends, and he's very protective of his Why area. So? <laughs> <clears throat> now moving on. As the group heads back to the castle, Harry and Sirius pause and chat optimistically. Harry remarks that Pettigrew would have been of no use dead. Firstly, he didn't want his father's two best friends to be killers, and secondly, he is the key in proving Sirius's innocence. Sirius suggests that Harry comes to live with him. They are they are dis they are disturbed, however, when as the full moon rises, it causes Lupin to turn into the dangerous werewolf since he had neglected to take his potion, which inhibits his transformation. Black responds by transforming again into the black dog in order to protect Harry, Ron, and Hermione. The werewolf and Black have a vicious fight. During the ensuing commotion, Pettigrew transforms himself back into the rat and escapes, not pursued. Harry runs forward in his angst at Sirius's torture at the hands of the werewolf, inadvertently attracting its attention. However, while approaching Harry, it is distracted by some other distant werewolf cry. Meanwhile, Sirius, badly injured, had moved, out, moved down to the nearby lake where he lies at the edge. Harry follows and kneels over him. As he does so, a swarm of Dementors approach them. Harry produces a Patronus to try to fend them off. However, it is not nearly strong enough, and they both begin to submit to the Dementors. Then, on the other side of the river, appears a brilliant white symbol of a stag and an immense Patronus, which drives the Dementors away. Harry then faints. We're going to pause there, because there's a lot that happens in that scene. Um, yeah. Lupin changes, and frankly, again, CGI work is done beautifully here. <laughs> Then go ahead, Basement. Yep. I love his face when he looks at the moon. He's, like, coming in his pants. Um, <laughs> the, the casting for Peter Pettigrew is so fucking good. Oh, like, my God, yes. He, I know we, like, gushed about the other cast, but he might be the best casting choice for that role. Yeah, I he, agree. He's a rat of human being. Um, and I think I'm, the pitch reading for this where it's like they have the Mar Marauder's rap sorry, the Marauder's map and they see a rat sleeping in his bed or fucking Peter, they see a man named Peter sleeping with Ron, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> and they never once asked him I never say anything <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that it's so good oh my god uh, but yeah, uh, Snape actually is gets between Harry and the werewolf coming at them before hearing the cry of another werewolf off in the distance. So there, the, that's where the background image comes from, and that's where we see Snape is actually trying to protect his students. So mm -hmm. that's another foreshadowing into the real Snape, especially after it got demolished. Yeah. Fucking Expelleramus his nuts out his throat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I do want to say that. Like, 
Sirius Black is one of my favorite characters in the books oh, and God, in the yes. movies. They, they don't get a, a lot of them in the movies. Um, the scene where he talks to Harry, right outside of the tree, and he's telling him, like, you know, you got a place to live if you want to come live with me. It's one of those moments that is really well done. It's one of those moments where it's like, finally, Harry can be happy all year. It's one of the rare W's that Harry gets in the early years of these stories. It's also so unbelievably needed for where they go with Sirius' character. Oh, yeah. I also put underneath, sucks to be you, because we know where it's going to go. We know what happens next, yeah. And it's just, oh, God. It's in that moment, though, you, you... you're drawn in and you're like, oh my god, Harry doesn't have to go back to the Dursleys. He could go back with Sirius Black because he's going to be cleared of all this shit and he's going to be able to go back to a normal life. And now Harry will be able to be somewhere where he can not only truly learn about his father and his mother, but also learn further about all of this magic and learn about everything that would have been his to begin with and be happy it's such a good step forward for the movie going from here's mm-hmm. a bunch of pictures of your parents to here yeah. are people that knew them, that respected them, that were actual friends with them, and the one person that betrayed them. And went to school and, with them. Knew them literally yeah. as children. And in the same school that you're going to, it's just like it builds on the lore so well. It does. Um, that it, This is that moment, like I said before, this is that movie that like really hook, line, and sinkered mm-hmm. me for the Harry Potter universe. Yeah, and as you mentioned at the start of this, this is where it starts to get darker, too. And it's it's as Harry... You're seeing Harry growing up more. And at the same time, you're realizing that he's becoming more of a man. And he's trying yep. to take those steps to be more of a man. To try and get... Not only get away from the Dursleys, but also to try and get away from the past of Voldemort. And be his own person. I also yeah. love the fact that this was a big. The, oh, we had that moment where I can hear myself for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it goes away after a while. Um, this is that moment where you get the aha, and there's like everybody switching sides, and we start yep. to learn where loyalties lie. And then this movie continues to be like. Do you really know everything that's going on? Yes! Oh my fucking yeah. god, yes! Connor, what do you have to add? Sucks to suck! No. Uh, <laughs> Not a pure Dementor. It is. Dementor for you and all. I'm basically just kind of repeating a lot what Basement you guys said was that, like, it's nice to have it, like, sell them, like, holy shit, Harry's gonna have an actual, like, real life? Mini- yeah, and, and then of course it's like, no, fuck you. We pull the rug out from underneath you and have have that whole it happen. And guess what, folks? Still not done yet. And like I said in the last two reviews, this is one of the strengths that especially these early Harry Potter series is that mm-hmm. it does a great job of foreshadowing, planting the seeds, um, relatively natural progression storylines where it's just like relative fun. And then like the ending, it's like. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> but this one has my favorite because it literally is going against the grain that we've seen for the last two movies or books, films, stories. Yes. <laughs> both. Honestly, both. Yeah. <laughs> Stop sleeping with Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> 
right, now we are getting to where everything fucking happens. Uh. <laughs> Harry awakens in the hospital wing to hear the news. To hear the news that Sirius Black had been captured and is about to be given the Dementor's kiss to suck out his soul. Dumbledore enters, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione try, try and convince him of Black's innocence. Dumbledore somehow already knows, but says that their word alone won't be believable. However, he suggests mysteriously that Harry and Hermione travel in time back by... Travel in time back. Good job, IMDb. <laughs> travel back in time by using Hermione's time-turning device. We now find out how she has been attending simultaneous classes. Cloning. Uh-huh. And at least save both Black and Buckbeak from their fates. Hermione turns her hourglass necklace back three turns, three hours. And Harry and Hermione are together. Harry and Hermione together are thrust into the past where they observe and remold the evening's events. They throw stones through the window of Hagrid's hut, alerting themselves of the approach of the execution party. They rescue Buckbeak while the execution party is inside with Hagrid shortly after the execu- shortly before the execution, thus absolving Hagrid of any blame. Hermione diverts the attention of the werewolf Lupin, stalking the past Harry with an Im- imitation of another werewolf's cry. And from a hiding place in the forest, Harry watches the Dementor sequence and realizes, as the stag symbol fails to appear, that he have he must have been the one who conjured the pro- the powerful Patronus. We're going to pause there because there's still another fucking paragraph left in here. Jesus Christ. Just for this section alone. Um, With this part, I love that Dumbledore was actually the one to sit there and say, if you move fast enough, perhaps more than just one life will be saved tonight. So that's that's him. That's him clicking the wheels in Hermione's head saying, stop by Hagrid's first and take care of that. And I love that in this scene, when they are hiding in the forest while waiting, while they come out behind the pumpkins, you hear in the house that Dumbledore should also sign the paperwork, signifying that he was there to witness the execution as well. And you hear Fudge saying, yeah, I suppose, but just your name. And Dumbledore, well, it's a rather long name. <laughs> yeah, I did like a little clever, a little clever trick there. I am torn on this. Okay. This is one. This is one of the things that I'm a little like, because I hate time travel. I do too, but I'm with basement. They kept it contained to within not only the same year but the same day, so it's not as much of an impact versus Marvel with the multiverse. Die, die, die! I am <laughs> not standing on my fucking. Sandbox on that one. <laughs> and letting the fucking multiverse die in the pool of its own blood over in Marvel. So, so yes, I, I think that what I will say is that out of everything, not just Marvel, but like everything that time travel like as a narrative, probably one of the best ones as far as how they interwove it into the end part of the story. The problem is that it, it just it's again another kind of random, random like, hey, by the way, we're gonna do this, and just throw this thing at the very. It, it, it just, I don't know. I, I feel a little. I'm not. I don't hate it, but it just seems like it's like, oh, by the way, the answer to everything is time travel. Like, what? What the fuck? Like, where the fuck? 
this again it was it was properly foreshadowed with Hermione showing up in the, in so many classes and all that stuff, but it, it feels kind of cheapish. You, you know what it is? It's it, I just it's 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 a it's a gripe that I have with this movie. Or it's really the only major thing I have like a little like issue with because it's just I, I feel like it's almost unnecessary that they needed to do that. You you know what it is? It's not the fact that it's used in this way towards the end of the movie. It's the fact that the foreshadowing uh, of it is so contrived. It's like why would you ever give Hermione a time turner? Just yeah. take more classes. It's such a fucking cop out of a reason why the, it exists. It's with her. Uh, it's explained in the book, and um, Hermione even said in the movie, Professor McGonagall, McGonagall gave it to me at the start of term because I wanted to take so many classes. It's just it's just such a powerful wizarding tool that I don't accept that. Well, in all honesty, so like. When they do end up using it, I think I'm fine with the way that it's used mm-hmm. in this instant toward the end of the movie. I'm just not fine with the way it gets introduced uh, and therefore why she has it. Um, but otherwise, I mean, like I said before, with the time turner shit, it is at least told in a very concise manner. It's not like a fix-all for everything moving forward or behind. Um, and it's kind of just in this moment. So yeah. it's okay for that. Um one thing I did want to say, Dan, we didn't really touch on it, is like after Harry gets uh, knocked out by the, the fucking Dementors, he comes to light and he's like, I saw my dad. I saw my dad. Yeah. And my dad was this person that did. And I, this is actually really interesting and I like it so much because this comes off him kind of being sucked back into his dad's world with yeah. Lupin and, and uh, Sirius. Um, and then he like he actually thinks that it's possible my dad would come back since these people that I never knew about that know everything. It's kind of like that innocent moment of him still being yeah. a kid thinking something that's impossible could be possible. Because he's still uh, that, learning the magical world. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a, a great instance. Now, as for the time turner and how it goes moving forward, from this point... We never like, hear about okay, it again. No, but from this point, like... The way that the story took place in the last 30 minutes and, and then you add this layer to it, it works for me. Throwing the stones and saving Buckbeak um, and like being the one that howled, it all kind of fits in play, in a nice, concise place. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with it. And then Harry kind of getting the understanding that I've been training for this, I can fucking do it. Then you get that, like, I mean, it's, it's a pretty much badass moment for Harry Potter. Oh, God, yeah. Like, it's like... another step towards him reaching <laughs> adulthood, essentially. It makes him, like, a very respectable wizard mm-hmm. moving forward that he can produce uh, Patronus because it's supposed to be something that, like, only really high-level wizards can do. Yeah, as Lupin said when he was teaching him, it's a very powerful spell and it requires a very powerful, happy memory. No, it's very weird because I would have loved... And I think this would have helped the movie a lot, and it's in two aspects. The time-turner, I do wish we had a bit more exposition on its limitations instead of just being left up to the audience. Well, as it says um, here, as it says here in this, she turns it back three turns, which is equivalent to three hours. Yeah, so you know you're not going to sit there and turn it back 7,000 times. Right. <laughs> back 7,000 hours. But I do wish there was a little bit more of something... I also love the fact that this, when Dumbledore says, 
three turns might do it. Yeah. Dumbledore is a character that always seems to kind of know mm-hmm. more than everybody else and where things are going. And uh, there's a scene when they, they later come back and he said, and they, they talk to <laughs> Dumbledore and they're like, we did it. And he's like, did what? Yeah. Hey, that's, that's, that sold me on him as Dumbledore. Yes. That was my favorite scene for Dumbledore in this. I, I, um, I have a note for that too, where it's just like, he's like, did what? Have a good night. I was literally like one second for the man. Yeah. <laughs> It was. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, have a good night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it walks away. So yeah, that was that was great. I also wish they kind of gave a more of a reasoning for the Patronus charm outside of the Dementor stuff. I know that they use it a bit different as a guiding light later in the movies, but I wish it had more purpose than just for Dementors. I believe it does. I believe it. the Patronus not just fights off the Dementors, but I think it's also basically the counter to one of the illegal curses. I'm looking it up right now. No, thank you. I was just going to do sure, it myself. I'm sure, I'm sure it has more use than just Dementors, um, but it would be nice to kind of like have that in like uh, when he was teaching him uh, yes. in, in that room. Yeah, like, yeah, have it, yes, have this him is used for Dementors. The list of things that it could be used but for it's aside also, from it. This type of offensive spell or protective right. charm, right? And I know it's used later in a different way. Later well, on, should, like later it's on, it's used movie. several different ways. But go it's on, Connor. The only, it's the only spell that works on a Dementor. The only one. Okay. Yeah. I'm just hoping it has more than that. Um. Don't think so. That's the one failing part of the Harry Potter universe. Things are very, like, directly connected. Mm-hmm. The world isn't, like... I mean, everything seems to have, like, uh, here's the cause and here's the fix. It, it's not, like... It doesn't reflect the real world where you'd, like, learn something that is widely applicable. Right. Um, which yeah. I... I mean, it's just the way that the story is told. And I get it. I mean, I get it. It's the Half the books are for fucking, like, really young kids. Young kids and young teenagers. Yeah. You're not going to have this, like, extensive lore beyond, like, yeah. you know, but whatever. Be it, like, the most the most intense, like, spellcasting shit you're not going to really have. It's got to be something that a 12-year-old can get. Yeah. Uh, moving on to finish off this part, this part of the movie. After saving his past self in black from the Dementors, Harry and Hermione fly on Buckbeak's back to the tower where Black is imprisoned and rescue him. Harry and Black share a moment of contemplation as since Black is going to be back on the run, still wanted and without proof of his innocence, their relationship will now sadly be fraught with complications and Harry's dream of living with his godfather is shattered. However, Harry takes comfort in knowing that Black, although still considered a fugitive, is at least free and safe for the time being. Black and Buckbeak leave, Black riding on his back, uh, Harry and Hermione make it back to the hospital wing just as just as the timeline restores itself and is at a reticent bol- Dumbledore. Jesus Christ! Merrily b- bids them good good night, as we had already talked about. Uh, as the school year end approaches, Lupin announces that he is resigning believing that the parents of the students would not be comfortable in the now open knowledge that he is a werewolf. He returns the Marauder's map to Harry since he is no longer a professor. 
Harry later receives a gift from an unknown source, a firebolt, an extremely fast racing broom. Her Hermione holds up a large feather also contained in within the parcel, confirming that Sirius must have sent it. Harry tries it out and is whisked away from sight, ending the film with a snapshot of image snapshot image of Harry flying his new broom is static. Also slightly blurred because he's going faster than the speed of light, apparently. <laughs> It's such a weird ending. It is such a weird ending, but this is also the first movie where we have the Marauders map for the credits. That's true too. Oh yeah, I did like that. So, so I can't remember it exactly, but there's like the scene where they go and they break out Sirius Black, and Mm -hmm. he gets with uh, fucking Buckbeak and flies away. Before that happens, he talks to Harry, and the talk to Harry is really good. Yes. Where yeah. Harry's like doubting, I didn't do anything, I, nothing was accomplished or whatever, and he's like, you, it's kind of like, you, I can't remember it verbatim, but he's like, it made all the world a difference, you freed an innocent man, yep. and you saved two lives or whatever. So he kind of like shows him that like, it might, you might not be changing the world, but like, you gotta you, start somewhere. You made and one you small change. you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. yeah. You, you made one small oh. change that is also the most important change, and it's the important change for you. Which is what you needed to do. <laughs> so I go back to the argument of like the last two movies where like, oh, the new person is really a dick in disguise. Yeah. Um, whereas it's the polar opposite here where he actually gets like two allies. And, like he ends up, you know, obviously you have like Dumbledore and like Hagrid, like allies in the first and, and second you know, movie and story. But this one, it, it like it feels like he's starting to get like basically the best way I can describe it is remnants of a family. Yes. Yeah. This is like the beginning of the Avengers assembling. Yes. Specto Patronum. travels better. But but it's so desperately needed in this case because Harry's got to. Yes, he like his first like beginning of that family was with two other kids. Now we're getting like parental figures or at least adults that can be a bit more of use than just Ron and Hermione, though they're important. It's kind of nice to get that, like, aspect that not the entire world is against you or disbelieving of you. And though the movie kind of, like, takes them away from him, from, like, a physical perspective, they're still there for guidance um, later on in the series. Yeah. And it's uh, it's also... it's. It's not even just you know getting those parent, those parental figures, those adult figures in his life that are going to help shape him into being the best person he could be. It's also the fact that he can learn more about his parents when they were children and learn more about how they were handling his birth. You know, you need yeah. all of that, all that, yeah, lost. all those memories that are lost because he was never able to create them with his parents himself they can now be restored through the eyes of another person. That's the only connection he has that's yeah. legitimate. That's like, I mean, yes, he could talk to Dumbledore about his parents, but Dumbledore is not like, it wasn't the same, right? right. It's like an observe. He, he, he knew them from observation, not knowing. Well, them. no, he, he was also part of the order of the Phoenix in a very yeah. small connection. So he, he had that, he had the observation of them growing up and going through school, but he also had the, observation of them as adults during the first magical war against Voldemort. But I also so. feel like that's like the difference between working together and then hanging yes. out 
outside of work, mm-hmm. having drinks, being like, you know, yeah. actually part of someone's life. Yeah. The good stuff. Yeah, it was a great movie. <laughs> no, so. I mean, it, the, the ending was fucking hilarious. Oh, God, yes. The falling ass. <laughs> him him magically receiving these anonymous gifts every year a see it seems like. i swear i didn't know i didn't open it <laughs> the twins did bullshit see uh, uh this, this this movie and this and this story still stands as one of my favorites uh despite my like iffyism with the time travel e- even still it's 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 i'm i'm nitpicking there's really not too much for me else otherwise to like really bitch and complain about other than Dementors being the fucking worst form of childcare and, and babysitting I've ever fucking heard of. Um, other than that, I really don't have any complaints of this movie. What would you uh, rate it out you? of 10? I would go eight and a half. Maybe like even like 8.7. Like it's, it's, re- it's really strong. Like I, again, I, I joke in nitpick because we, that's what we fucking do on here. <laughs> Um, but even, even with my, like, like, if like squeakiness about the time travel and like the exposition stuff, it's really small potatoes in the grand, in the grand scheme of things. Great acting, great storytelling. I love the twist. It feels like we're going in the direction of the maturity and like the, the growing of the franchise and growing of Harry. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can expect a Patronum on everybody. Mm Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with like, I'd say like 8.7. Right, basement. Yeah, th- this movie is, um, in my opinion, the heaviest lifter of the franchise. It has the big most weight on its shoulders for it, it for what the rest of the series becomes. This is that transition that happens between kids movie and I'm going to say the legitimate movie. Yes, there's legitimate kids movies, but just like the, if the franchise continued in the first and second vein, it would be fine, but it wouldn't have been what's special about harry potter so you get this one this one comes out it has a more realistic tone they almost they improve on every aspect of the movies that came before like legitimately every aspect it it also gets to the point where now like even if you're not a book fan you are probably going to be a fan of harry potter if you at least like the sort like 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 the fantasy aspect of it well uh funny i feel the same way about the fourth one I agree. The fourth one just, but this is the this is that one that really like starts it and starts it all. So yeah. there's gonna be, uh, I'm definitely gonna give it extra credit for that. It's not the best Harry Potter movie in my mind. Hmm. Like, I mean, it's not the best story. Well, you do. It's yeah. it's not the best Harry Potter story. It, okay. It's very much right. like yeah. when, I, yeah. when I when I look at the story, this is actually like more of a filler storyline. But I the filler is, is so good that <laughs> I, I know. that the absence I of Voldemort, the absence of Voldemort is not felt. Yes, he's alluded no, to a little bit, not. but and it's it's such a smart idea to take a step away from Voldemort because now we yes we've got the inklings in the first two. If it just went back to Voldemort again, but didn't actually give us Voldemort, I think a lot of people would have been kind of pissed off. And I really like the fact that where the fourth movie goes with the introduction of Voldemort, right? This oh, is yeah, just like fucking object. It's it's a perfectly placed um, for this is to J.K. Rowling's perfectly placed for them putting this for her putting this at the third installment 
Um, and just, I've expertly realized a film, I, I really, like, like I said before, I wasn't reviewing this, and I'm, like, reviewing it to critique it more than anything else. And I'm like, man, I just ran into things to critique, because I'm like, okay, yes, the time turner, yes, these are, like, the big points, but, like, the minutia, the details inside, I'm like, I really have nothing to say bad about this. No. Uh, yes, there's some contrivances or with the time turning and with the, um, uh, what was the, the fucking... Uh, whatever. There's another one earlier on in the movie that we talked Dementors. about. Oh, with the Dementors, yeah. But the design of the Dementors was fucking great. The way that they're introduced, the set design again is absolutely perfect. The score is perfect. This this movie really doesn't... And it's two hours and 20 minutes. It doesn't feel two hours and 20 minutes. No, this I, is the I, first I, one I didn't really feel the length of uh, on a rewatch, which is good. Yeah. I'm right with you, Connor. I am going to give this one... For me, it's for me, it's my favorite Harry Potter movie. But I'm comfortable to say it's not the best Harry Potter movie. I agree. I give it the like, yeah, but it's an eight point five, eight points, eight point five for me, eight point five, maybe eight point seven five, somewhere <laughs> between those. Yeah. And JP's rating is eight point two five. He's around there with that. No, he's and he's in agreement with me. It is. This being the turning point of the series is probably the greatest spot for it because he, at this point in Harry Potter, Harry Potter's life, we're all fried. Harry Potter, Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Harry Pap Schmear. (laughs) It is. It's Harry Pumpernickel. It's the point where he's getting to not. He's getting to like the midpoint of puberty almost. In this movie, he's—we're seeing him grow up more. We're seeing him want to take more charge of his own life, and he wants happiness. He wants to be where his parents were, because that's where he is the most happy. And the placement of this movie and the book, I feel, were probably the most perfect you can get out of any series. Um. And the fact that they took this, the more dark turn with the events going on, but then shining that light of Harry has outlets now. Yep. Harry has people he can reach out to that if things, things get to be too bad, it's not just another kid his age that really can't do anything to help him. Neville. <laughs> He has adults he can reach out to aside from his professors. So it was great for him to have that moment and have that, you know, to have that weight released at least. And in the book, the way the book ends is actually Harry showing back up in London at King's Cross and telling the Dursleys, oh, yeah, you know, that murderer we've been hearing about all summer. Well, turns out he's my godfather. So keep fucking with me and keep finding out. <laughs> Turn around and expect to have a drone. <laughs> so the, having that ending in the book was much better than the movie ending, in my opinion. Um, but the length of the movie, I felt, was also the perfect length. Because they got to explain everything that they needed to explain for this point of Harry's life. Yeah. And his yeah. learning at the moment. So, for me, I'm going 
closer to JP's with the 8.25, and I agree with Basement. Yes, this is one of the best Harry Potter movies, but it's not my favorite. It's my favorite, but it's not the best. (laughs) Okay, but yeah, it's close enough. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's not it's it is the best. It's not my favorite. Mine is actually Order of the Phoenix. See, when I say my favorite, it's it's such a a slim. (laughs) On my first watch through, and and because I love the book so much, um, I there's favoritism here for this movie. And on my first watch through. Yes, I would say this is my favorite, but like as we go on, they just kind of, they just get better. Like they're just better they movies. They do, in all honesty. And I'll probably concede to this being my favorite at the end of this whole thing. But uh, it's definitely one of my favorite Harry Potter movies. One right. of the top three. Right. Uh, which when we get to the end of this, we'll do a rating system like. For each individual one of us, you know, which ones are, you know, we'll put them in order for us individually. And I think at the end, I think it'd be a fitting ending to the roundtable if we all figured out what house we belonged in and what Patronus and Wand we would have. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. It's up to you, um, but we could do that at any point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, We could even do that as like a break between this movie in the next or the next movie in the next for sure. one of the weeks on Monday because then we can be like, you know, root for our own houses. Fuck that shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I will share the link in the chat for those of you in the chat to follow along with as well to get your own house, wand, and Patronus. Um, I believe the Wizarding World quiz also gives you your familiar, if I remember right, the new one that they have out. So... Yeah, yeah. I will share the link for everybody to be able to do that. Maybe we'll do that next week. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Let's take yeah. a break from the movies. Do yeah. the uh, do the quiz or whatever the fuck it is. It's pretty from from what I've seen of it. It's pretty in depth. Fucking top notch. Yeah, it's in depth. I mean, the for your Patronus, I did this already uh, to link my Wizarding World account and WB account to Hogwarts Legacy. I already did this. Um, my Patronus is a black mamba. <laughs> Interesting. Kobe Bryant. And, and to take that quiz, you are literally running through the dark forest, and you have to quickly answer questions as they pop up. So when oh you get God. when you get to that when you get to that quiz on the Wizarding World website, oh my God, it's so beautifully done. So beautifully die. done. I will die if JP is Slytherin. Oh my god, yes. We, he needs to be awake for that for next week. We, he needs to do it. Um, and, and maybe I'll take, I'll take it again under a different email and see if I get a different response uh, <laughs> than what I got. So, all right. That's going to wrap it up for the roundtable this week. Um, Connor, do you have a definite date for the release, the early release for 2K23? For what? Two K twenty three. The what? I, I don't know what that. I don't know what that is. Uh huh. I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, so then we're not doing anything for the rest of the week until Friday. Hey, I bet <laughs> I say that. What well, day are we doing it? <laughs> don't show me things I don't want to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so as you see here. <laughs> Why is he on the front, my GM? It just block me? fucking finished downloading it, and I downloaded it at midnight on the dot. Okay. Over two hours ago. Can <laughs> I fucking block me? See it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God, the showcase of Cena. Uh, that, that's, No. I've heard it's not too bad, but... <laughs> we yeah, all we heard that Rey Mysterio showcase wasn't that bad. Booyaka, booyaka! Yeah. Lawsuit, yeah! So, Wednesday? Yeah, I'm down sure. for Wednesday. Wednesday's best for me. Okay, okay. so Wednesday we are going to try and break this game that you are seeing playing on your screen right now, and that is WWE 2K23! Oh, it's going to be a fun night to see all the glitches we could possibly get out of this. Why is she the cover of the Superstars? Jesus Christ. I don't know. <laughs> Thursday, I will be back with some more Hogwarts Legacy for y'all. Hopefully, I'll have had more sleep in my system and I'll be able to better play the game <laughs> than I did last time. Uh, and then fr uh, Friday... We will either do GM mode or JP will do some football. We'll see. And that'll bring us back to Sunday for no bucks given. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a yeah. fun week this week. It's going to be jam-packed. That is for sure. I don't know sure. if you guys can see the screen right now, but you see what I'm doing? Yes, you're downloading some special content. I think downloads are faster. Oh, fuck yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a creator safe mode. Oh. Ooh. For copyright issues. Music-wise? Yep. It is oh, yes! <laughs> no. We can have music, though, finally. <laughs> no, okay, what if we choose, like, okay, so in the game there's, like, some fucking bullshit music. That's not the music that they play for, like, wrestlers nope. coming out. No? Oh, no. But... No, because it's part of the game, it's still copyrighted. Yeah, too many distinct... Anyway. I hate you, game. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. Stick around. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a big old like and turn on the notification bell as well. Y'all have a good night, and we shall see you again Wednesday. Peace out, bitch, y'all.